Hey, it's Ricky Carmichael, and you're watching the Moto X-Pod Show. What's up, you guys? Jeremy McGrath here. You are listening to Moto X-Pod Show. What's up, everybody? It's that time again. The Vital MX Moto X Pod Show is back, as always, presented by Boyson and Racetech. We've got a banger of a show tonight after a fun-filled weekend in Nashville. Tonight, we have factory HRC Honda's Chase Sexton after his win. The 2022 250cc West Coast Championship Mechanic for Christian Craig, Brent Duffy, who is also the current mechanic for Hayden Deegan. Then uh, privateer David Pooley will join. But before we get to all those guys, my co-host tonight, as always, working the cameras, YouTube chat, Scott Thompson. What's going on, man? What's going on? I don't think I've ever heard you use the word banger before. Well, you just did. Oh, wow. It's no, a, it was a already great show. We can just end it right now. It was a banger of a weekend. <laughs> we're, gonna, we're not going to get to too many details of why it was that way, but we might talk about Nashville a little bit. On the line with me, my friend, my co-worker from Vital MX, Lewis Phillips. How we doing, Lewis? Hi, hi, Jamie. Hi. <laughs> it's good to talk to you, man. Um, we had, I think, we bonded this weekend. Yeah, see, I feel like I've spoken to you a lot lately. Maybe too much. Um, <laughs> Here we go. I think it's time. I think it's time for me and you to just have a bit of a break. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that's... honestly, the only reason I'm here is for Chase. So can we just get to that part and then I'll hang up? Okay. Yeah. Let me see if I can get him on the phone <laughs> right now. Uh, before we do that, though, in studio once again, Texas privateer Doc Smith. Howdy. Major second day show. Yeah, day shows. Apparently, from now on, just sign up for all yeah. the races that are day races, and you're good to go. I guess nationals here we come, right? <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Good to have you back in studio. Let's get to the Boyson discussion, but before before we do that, let me tell you about Boyson's factory racing rider support program. It's a comprehensive support system for motocross and off-road riders. The program offers participants exclusive access to Boyson's products, yearly discounts, and the potential to become one of their new product development test riders. Join the community of Boyson Factory Flyers by visiting boyson.com and applying today. Lewis, before we get into Chase, I got I got another topic I want you to join in on. So, I guess during the TV broadcast at some point, Daniel Blair made a comment about Maybe making the, you know, what it would be like to make the 250 Regional Supercross Series a national series. This has been talked about time and time again. There's positives, there's negatives. What what are your thoughts? What, is, what are the positives, what are the negatives to it being a national series? Um, I heard this discussion because they played it on the big screen uh, during practice. Uh, and I heard one of the commentators say that a negative is that um, we would lose rides because then Pro Circuit Star wouldn't feel obliged to run five riders because they could get away with running two indoors, two out, and that would be it. So um, I think everyone says a negative is that you would lose, you would lose rides, you would lose jobs. But I thought about this on the flight home. Um, there, another negative that people say is that the 250 riders wouldn't make it through a 17-round series. But that then means that there would be openings for filling riders. So technically, 
the riders who would get cut loose would still have opportunities to prove their stuff. Um, so that's one of the negatives I've heard played out, and I've kind of decided that actually maybe that's not a thing. Obviously, mm-hmm. a Finland ride isn't as good as um, having a permanent ride, but it's still an opportunity. Uh, a positive is that 250... I'm not sure, has there been a single race this year where the 250 class has been like, to use to use your words, a banger? Mm, <laughs> it's maybe, the word of the night. <laughs> maybe the maybe A2, the Triple Crown, was pretty good. Yeah, that was very good. That was very good. But yeah, overall, no. That I think that's part of the problem, is that it's kind of a light field. And I don't really understand, Scotty, and I'll get you back on this, Lewis, and Doc also, but when they say the 250 riders couldn't make it through a 17-round series, why not? What's the difference in them in a 450 ride other than experience? Maybe, I mean, obviously that's a big part of it, but they're they're younger, a little bit younger. They might be in better shape or more likely to take a hit. I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't think that's a legitimate reason that they couldn't make it through. Half the 450 guys can't make it through a 17 mm-hmm. rounds either, clearly. Yeah. We lost half the field Saturday this night. This weekend, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, you, well, you also see guys that, you know, they if they go out and the first or second round, and then they, the championship's pretty much over. I'm not saying that they'd still be in the championship fight, but you you know, you could get out in the first, second round, and then come back and still make contingency, make, you know, sponsor money, and do that at the end of the season, just as well as, as getting, you know, you still get dollars for the team if you came back, so you'd give more time to heal and be back for the rest of the season. And then also, I you know, the not being as many spots thing is I would think that, you know, I would rather have four to one odds of one of my riders doing good than two to one. So I would rather have I would rather see you go ahead and you know fill those spots and have four pro circuit guys let's say because chances are so one of those are going to do. You're good. you're saying the way it is now they have more riders. Well, if they, if we made it a full season, then keep the four riders. Oh, but, but they probably wouldn't because that's see that's that's, that's what I'm saying. I don't I don't yeah. get that because why? Because I would rather have four chances to for a rider to do good than two. But that's going to cost the team more because they're paying they're paying X amount for half basically half. Yeah. They'd have to pay the riders more money. To race more races, so then they have to double the money and then for all double, the team. Yeah, having them at yeah. all the races. And then you have to have more bikes at all the races, which sometimes the bikes are already on the truck, but usually not, not always. Well, you have to have all the you have if you have two two fifty riders right now, you'd have to have four riders, four mechanics, four bikes. So well, those those mechanics don't double dip. Like no, you, that's what I'm saying. Like right now, there might have been two mechanics at Nashville, but there would have had to have been four mechanics at Nashville now. So four flights, four, more hotels. It's going to oh cost yeah, I, I see what you're saying. It's going to cost more. But for you, Doc, for a guy like yourself who's struggling to get in, if there was if it was a national series, all 17 rounds, we now have a full field almost of quote unquote more factory riders because everybody's racing. Your opportunities lessen. Yeah, uh, but I think that also. Um, Gives opportunity for me, to, like to prove myself more. Okay, so making the top like forty of that is way more. It's a way larger, like scale than making top forty now. Sure. Um, which I mean, I don't think it's hard. It's not easy to make it now, but making it in those would really those show yourself. Yeah. And Lewis, for the teams, financially, I I don't know that that would. Uh... Yeah, I don't know if it would change a lot, right? They would have to pay their riders more, but they would probably have less riders, so it'd probably equal out a little bit. Here's an idea. Okay. I don't I don't necessarily believe this idea. So don't <laughs> take this as my idea, but it's just a theoretical option. Um what if you made the two fifty class a national championship, but they only race at twelve of the rounds 
and then the other five rounds are futures. So yeah. futures take the futures take the two fifty spot at the other five rounds, which would give them more attention and it would help with the busy schedule, tracks breaking down, blah blah blah. Um, and then twelve rounds of two fifty competition. That's not as demanding of teams' budgets. That's not going to be as much of a stretch, as much of a problem. But you still get the national championship vibe. It's not a terrible idea. It's a banger See, of an idea, Lewis. A, I, I think the one thing <laughs> that you're not my favorite suck idea is for the fans. There's a lot of fans that come for some 250 riders, aka like Deegan or the Lawrence brothers, just people that are that well known. Um, you're not going to have them show up to those races knowing that their rider that they want to see isn't even going to ride the track. See, I think. Yeah. But technically, technically, you have that problem now anyway with yeah. it being east and west. Like, I remember um, obviously being in England, coming to a supercross when I was younger was a big deal. And I remember coming to my first one, uh, Anaheim 1 2007. And when I saw who was racing west versus east, I was crushed. So, I was like, <laughs> like, all of my favorite riders are on east. So, like, what, what, what am I doing here? This is terrible. Yeah. Obviously, it's not that dramatic, but. That is a that is a real issue at the moment with the coast being split. Yeah, and I think that's actually a positive of it being a national series is, okay, maybe there's less factory rides, but all the factory riders are going to be riding somewhere. There's going to be a team yeah. that they can ride for. So then, theoretically, if everybody's healthy, every round, all the superstars are there. Yeah. So you don't have that situation that Lewis dealt with, and I dealt with it too at Dallas one year when I – all I wanted to do is see Travis Pastrana race, and he wasn't there because he was on a different coast. Yeah, and I, and I was kind of heartbroken myself. So uh, there are positives and negatives, but in the jobs, yes, there might be less positions for some mechanics. But Scotty, well, I was going to say, I mean, they they do four riders for outdoors, which is known for having less money put into it. Lewis? Uh, yeah, but that's less money put into it, as in that's money directly for the riders. Um, prize, if you're talking prize money wise That's what I mean. and the reason they have so many riders for outdoors is because they their hands are forced in supercross they're not going to cut those riders loose halfway through the year um, if if you put and if you made it a national championship all year round then there would literally be no reason to have four riders mm, yeah. um, maybe they would have three riders like sure maybe the, maybe the occasional team might have four I doubt it but you certainly wouldn't see as many 250 riders as you do now um but, but is this a situation where with East and West, we're kind of catering to everyone gets to have a go? This is a professional sport. I'm sorry, not everyone gets to have a go. Not, yep. everyone, gets, not everyone gets to live the high life of a great ride and not everyone has those opportunities because this is the creme de la creme. This is the top of the sport. This is where guys like Chase Sexton operate. Um, 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 yeah, so maybe, maybe the, maybe that's the, the logic. Like, not everyone gets to have a go. Sorry. Oh, you can't get a ride. Well, that sucks. Be better. There you go. So, um, my, my, my dad's on the YouTube, uh, talking about this stuff, TJ. He said, but the idea of the 250 feet, uh, the 250 class is a, like a feeder class for the it 450s. It was. In yeah. the beginning, it's not anymore, technically. Yeah, but we still want our amateur kids to be able to do That's like what, the what I've is done, for. right? Futures is now the feeder class. But it's not. You're not getting a ride with, like, I was on the gate this weekend with Hunter Lawrence. I'd, okay. Okay, well, I'm not going to be on the gate with him if... Uh, well, feeder class shouldn't be on the gate with a Hunter Lawrence. But Hunter Lawrence is in the feeder class. Well, that's why it He's shouldn't, in the feeder it class be a feeder class to the 450s. It's now, it should now be a national... Um, supreme class 
yeah. then there should be a separate feeder class like Futures that gets you that you you get your training, your your exposure. You yeah. get to race under the lights a little bit, get a feel for it. So are they going to do that every round? Well, I, I mean, they're not even making this a national class. We're yeah. just this is theoretical. So exactly, that's yeah. what I'm saying is they would have to make that an every round thing. Yeah, well, you know, or do it on Friday or something like that. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's just something I thought was interesting. I oh, I was going to say, yeah, hey, I know. I w- the last thing I want to say is I I thought it when we asked this question, I thought I was writing my notes, and what I thought about was you were writing was, your notes right before showtime. Great. You know, when you texted me earlier, <laughs> just. Kidding. When uh, his face. <laughs> it was cool. You wanted me to wrap it up, and then now you made it longer. All right, all right. Great. So it was cool to say, like guys like Mike Brown and Ryan Hughes and those and Lamson and stuff like that when they were riding, the they'd be older and riding the uh, the two fifty class or the one twenty five class then. And I thought that was cool. It made those championships a little more tough. And so I think you would see some more of that making. You know, some guys are good on on. 250 bikes or the, the lighter class. So I think it would be cool to see some of those specialist guys make it hard for you to win a, a, a 250 championship. All right. Well, we're going to wrap this topic up. We're going to get into real quick race Tech's service center spotlight. Uh, this week's service center spotlight is eight twelve suspension in Texas, providing honest high quality suspension work since 2010 uh, race tech services. My bikes race tech is one of the premier Suspension company, especially for privateers, hit up racetech.com to find the local racetech service center closest to you. And you could get a tuner that is normally at your local tracks. You can talk to them locally and visit with them and get their expertise. Racetech.com for that. Uh, Lewis, the Luxon MXGP recap. We're going to get into that real quick. Luxon, when it comes to triple clamps, suspension, and chassis parts, there's no comparison. Luxon MX makes the best parts you can buy. Luxon, Luxon's advanced engineering background and techniques allow them to develop products that are unlike the rest. They're lighter and stronger with optimized stiffness to enhance your riding comfort and precision. Luxon products are designed and engineered and made in the USA, so check them out online at luxonmx.com. Use promo code MOTOXPOD to save. The MXGP of Portugal, Lewis Hurlings, man, he is back. Yeah, 101 wins is quite a big deal, despite yeah. what some people think. Um, who are some people who are who are against who are saying that's not a big deal? Are you not on social media? Everyone is shitting on hurling. I have not seen that. I guess I've been on it enough. Obviously, everyone is shitting on hurling. Fuck wow. hurlings. Fuck hurlings. 101 wins. Just there's little me with my flag, <laughs> cheering, cheering him on, and I'm surrounded by booze. Um, yeah, obviously everyone. Some people are. Uh, some people are picking fault with the fact that a lot of his wins are in MX2, uh, but I yeah. don't see that being an issue um, because we know just how good Hurlings is. Now, if Hurlings was actually not a very good rider, I would probably find issue with that, but Hurlings has done more than enough to prove that actually he is a rider worthy of 101 wins, and I presume I've been told that he will be back to 100% in three rounds was what I was told. So buckle up because we're three rounds away from greatness. Well, I, I feel like we're already at greatness. It's going to be even if it if it gets any greater. I don't know. Yeah, this championship's going to get away pretty fast. Prado, I feel like you mentioned this to me before. He got a his his the highlight of what he seems to do is his starts are almost always on point, and then he runs away. Moto two poor start, and I believe you mentioned this before that he really struggles 
when he gets a bad start, and we saw that in Moto2. Is that pretty typical of him? Yeah, but but note that he didn't actually have a bad start at Moto2. He started fourth. So that is actually, for most riders, that's a good start. Mm. Um, for Prado, though, he, he doesn't... There's a thing going around that he doesn't like Roost, and that kind of scares him off a little bit. Um, there are many different theories, but the fact is that when I saw him come around the second turn in fourth in Moto2, my immediate... Um, my immediate prediction was that he's going to go backwards, and he did. Um, that's just the Prado playbook. But although that's as much of a negative as that is, when your worst starts are fourth, that's actually quite a good thing. Yeah, that's true. I just didn't like the results of that fourth place start, how he went backwards. I think Favre uh, went by him and a few other guys, and he just never really made up any time. And uh, Yeah, I was a little disappointed. I thought he, I would have liked to have seen him challenge the lead for a little bit at least. Um, you know what, Jamie? Yes. I think that Prado would suit you. If you did GPs, I think you would be a Prado guy. Okay. Why? Just, I feel like you would mesh well with him. <laughs> so, just bear that in mind. I think that might be your guy. Well, yeah, my guy had a really bad day. Renault, multiple crashes. Did you, did you get any feedback? Like, Did something happen in that first moto that just caused him to be off the rest of the day? He um he was dealing with a physical issue, but mm. no one knows what that means. Okay. But last year at Aguada or Agada, he went eleven eleven. So maybe that track just has bad juju for him or maybe. bad vibes. I don't know. Not juju as in Julia Bummer. <laughs> uh, juju as in um, vibes. Right. Um, I, I understand. Um, yeah. But just are you clear? I just didn't want you to think that I was saying that Juju had something to do with it. No, um, no, I, I, I understood. Okay. Thank you. Uh, okay, I'm just glad we're on the same page. But yeah, for some reason, this track just doesn't work. The track was not great, right? Uh, they watered it a little too heavily, it seemed like, for MX2 Moto 1, and then I guess it's real pebbly and kind of a deceptive-looking track on TV. A lot of traction struggles. Honestly, Jamie, it hurts my soul to hear you say that. Why? Because Agada used to be... Uh, to use this phrase for a second time, the creme de la creme of tracks. Um, it used to be, like when I was growing up, I didn't dream of riding Glen Helen. I didn't dream of riding Redbud. I dreamt of riding Agada because it was, it looked, it was incredible. But they're doing too much. They're trying to fix something that was never broken. And mm. every, time they, every time they try to fix it, they go further away from this, this beauty of a track. And that just hurts my soul, to be honest. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess I need to go back and watch some classic videos from there uh, because, yeah, it was not. It didn't look great. So watch, watch two thousand and four okay. Agada, and then you'll you'll go, oh wow, that track looks amazing. I'll watch that right after I watch two thousand eighteen Red Sands. Why? Oh yes, yes, you can do that. Yes, as D- well. Darian, how do you say it? Sonia. Darian Sinai, four Sinai. seconds a lap faster. Yep. Ab- my eyes popped out of my head. Every lap he came by, it's like, I cannot believe it. <laughs> I, um, got, I got to meet Darian, Scotty, and Doc this weekend at the Monster Party, and, and Lewis told the story. Darian's a great guy. Uh, and he was, yeah, uh, Lewis was very, very high on this race. So I, I have it actually. Every time. <laughs> yeah, I have it in my queue to watch. Uh, real quick, MX2 class. You want to know what my highlight of the whole race was in the MX2 class, Lewis? Uh, uh, no. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> so when Lisa went to Jeremy from Yamaha 
and Jeremy said, we, we need to make an appointment to see what's wrong with Benistat. And Paul Malin says, yeah, I hope that appointment goes well. I don't know why that made me laugh so hard, but Paul Malin might be my favorite announcer. Okay. Um, maybe maybe put more of a focus on the races from now on. Okay. Just a bit of feedback. Constructive criticism for you. Um, yeah, just maybe do that. Maybe try that. Well, I will work on that. Uh, hang tight real quick. What died? Like the, the, the yeah, laptop just, just quit? Just blank. Just yeah. blank. Okay, I can't do anything about it right now. Uh, we're just, so that means YouTube's down, but we yep. got the we have the audio. So uh, yeah, can't do anything about it. I don't know. What to, I'm over here. Um, super. We just lost the compute one of the computers there, Lewis. So no YouTube right now. Try to restart it. Um. Now I'm fl- uh, flustered. All right, TLD this weekend, Lewis. No, no riders whatsoever what why not maybe pick a fill-in what do you think with a round or two to go what would be the point of that i guess what would be the point of it and do you not feel like overall um the whole sport is kind of going away from fill-in riders more and more yes it does seem that way yes like there was a time when someone would get injured and then two days later there would be a fill-in pr whereas now it really is a rarity to see a fill-in rider on anything um which is a shame because I think that fill-in riders always add an extra little spice of intrigue and whatnot to whatever championship, whatever class. But yeah, uh, as much as I would like to see a fill-in rider, it makes absolutely no sense. TLD have had a great season with Barsha, so they don't need to put a rider on their bike who's going to finish 13th because in a sense, their work is done. Right, right. Yeah, I think you're right. I think if if they're not, if the sponsors aren't demanding to have a rider on a bike, yeah, it's yeah, it makes no sense. You're you're 100 right. It's kind of disappointing a little bit because you would like to see. Oh, let's give you know Kevin Morant or somebody. Let's give him a shot. You know why not? It'd be kind of fun to watch that. But there's really no no there's no positive results for those teams to do that. No, uh, please uh, refer to what I said earlier about not everyone gets to have a go. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Good point, Lewis. As brutal as it sounds, like like just because Barsha, just because the very, very, very incredible rider Barsha is injured does not mean that you, sir, are automatically deserving of his bike that he earned through hard work and talent. That is a fair um, point. It's not everybody deserves a trophy, so you're right. Why don't put me on a bike? Okay, you get a bike. All right, Lewis Phillips is going to fill in for TLD. Everyone, everyone gets a shot. Everyone gets a shot. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what did you think of Nashville post race? Um, Nashville obviously has a lot of uh, hype around it. Um, I would say I would say that Nashville and East Rutherford have the most hype, right? I think yeah, I think so. Sure. As far well, as like general vibes, yeah. Besides a one, yeah, yeah. You, you, but I'm talking as in like whole experience, as far as like location, city, yeah, um, blah blah blah. Like as far as entire experience, um, I wasn't really expecting to think much of Nashville, but it was actually really good. Who would have thought? So, what did you like about it? You and I. We met up a little bit later in the evening, Saturday night, going into the monster party. You you relaxed a little bit, hung out, and you, you were having a good time. It was a different Lewis than I'm used to seeing. 
are you saying that I don't have a good time normally? I mean, I'm not having a good time right now. I think you, well, you focus <laughs> very, very heavily on work and you don't always allow yourself to have just to relax. And I saw, let me, let me tell you. Okay. I model my life after the great chaser. And he also focuses on work and focuses on being the best that he can be. So that's what I try to do. And you do a good job of that. But Chase Sexton also <laughs> takes some time to relax and have some fun. And you did that Saturday night. You and Sean came out. Uh, Sean, our, Sean Ogden, our, what we call him, our graphics guy, our videographer. He, he's a jack of most trades. Multimedia Multi- manager. I, yeah, Sean's a good guy. You guys came out and we had some fun. We, we hung out. You hung out with Chase. Chase got you into the party because we didn't have enough passes. And Chase saved the day. Um, I feel like people are taking it way too. Uh, no, no. What, do you like? It's humorous how I try and work Chase into every conversation. It's yeah. not a serious thing. Just, just to clarify, I kind of see it as a little achievement every time I've managed to worm him into every conversation. So <laughs> okay. Far. Yeah. Um, no, like I, I'm interested in a similar breath. I'm interested to see what Denver's going to be like because I've never been to any of these places. So I'm kind of going in completely blind. Um, I've never heard much about Denver. I've never heard much about Salt Lake City. So, like, for me to go to these places, see these stadiums for the first time, see what these states are like, these cities are like, I kind of feel like I've got a very uh, fresh perspective. Very, like, it's all new to me. So I, I feel like I should write a book, like a beginner's guide to Supercross. Not a bad idea. But being well, a, One of my many ideas. One of your many. Being a guy that doesn't really care about music. How was walking around with all the sound, all the people, a lot of music going on in the, in the club that night. Did you enjoy any of that? I, I thought that Nashville was meant to be a big country place. Not I didn't really hear much country music. Yeah. It's not so much. I mean, there is, it is the country music capital of the world and there is a lot of country music there, but there's a lot of rock and roll music there now. A lot of, honestly, it's probably the music capital of the world now. Most bands, groups have moved out of like L.A. or even Austin, and they're there. That's where Nash. That's what Nashville is now. See, again, I'm just I'm green to all of these things. I don't know much. I just go in, hope for the best, hope I don't get killed. Obviously, I was told <laughs> that I was going to get killed in Nashville. I'm not sure if I'm going to get killed in Denver, but we'll see. I think you told me that. Who told you you were going to get killed in Nashville? Was that a Steve Mathis thing? Yes. It doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> he told me not to open my mouth because if anyone heard my accent, then they would kill me. And then I saw you tweet something about cowboy hats. Did that also come from him? Yeah, he said that I needed to buy a cowboy hat as soon as I land to try and blend into the crowd a little more. Yeah, that's Steve. Just, that would not have worked. I no, that's, that's Steve just being Steve and trying to mess with you, unfortunately. I would have looked like a massive twat with a cowboy hat. That would not have worked with the British guy persona. I'm not going to comment on my opinions on cowboy hats in general. So we're going to move on because we have our first guest of the night on the line. FXR is designed by racers for racers with industry leading fit, finish, and performance. Progression is the name of the game with every new piece created. At FXR, we push our brand to the next level to provide you with the best product possible. Visit FXRRacing.com to see the numerous gear lines and colorways as well as their snow lines, even though it's about to be summertime, and lifestyle casual wear. Tonight, FXR brings us from the HRC Factory Honda team, Chase Sexton. What's up, Chase? How's it going, guys? Going good, man. We don't have a lot of time with you tonight, so I, w- I want to start. 
I'm going to ask you the same question I asked you in the press conference because uh, I don't know if everybody heard it, and I'd like to get a little more detail about just with two races to go and the championship pretty much settled, where does your motivation come from going into these last two? But before you answer, I'd like Lewis to give his opinion on this because I have a feeling he has one. Well, you want me to give my opinion now? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, that's, that's a dumb question. Okay. If, if you, did you, so you asked that question in the press conference. I did. I just asked it again, Lewis. He did, he did I, ask that question was, in the press conference. If I was in the press conference, I would have stood up, smacked that mic out of your hand, and <laughs> ripped your credential off of your neck. Um, no, the motivation is to win. Uh, winning out would be nice. If nothing is over, nothing is over. We've got two rounds to go. Anything can happen. Um, the motivation is to win each week. It's obvious, right? Yeah, yeah, he he pretty much said it word for word. It's, <laughs> it's never over till it's over. Um, that's true. Yeah, my goal is to win the races. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's my that's my game plan. Motiv- it's motivation comes. Or I guess winning is motivating. So, and if I race, if I'm going to the race, I want to win. So that's enough motivation is in itself. Well, and I think that's a fantastic answer. That's kind of what I expected, I, but that's why I asked it, to to hear the answer. <laughs> Sometimes, Lewis... I don't know what I said in the press conference. I said something. I don't know what I said about well, it, but it, I probably somewhere, something like that. It was similar, but it wasn't... Yeah, what, your answer tonight was a lot better. So, props. You, you, you've improved <laughs> on your answer, Chase. I like it. <laughs> I was tired in that press conference, so half of my answers are probably delirious. It was only mid... It was, like, early. It wasn't even that late, Chase. We yeah, had, but I was... I don't know. I didn't sleep very good the night before, and the, those early races, dude, I mean, it's... It's six o'clock. You gotta get up, and then yeah. you're on the track at seven thirty. I missed the first the first lap of practice last oh. weekend. So I didn't even notice that. Wow, yeah, that was an early race for sure. But hey, yeah, I missed the first lap of free practice, which doesn't really matter. But yeah, I was a little late to a little late to the party. Well, that's all right. Before we get into, before I let Lewis ask his question, how did you like the city of Nashville? We we kind of all were out in the town a little bit later that evening, even if we were tired. The city, I'm in love with that city, Chase. I want to move there. Yeah. Dude, I was walking down Broadway, and it was, like, so so packed. I don't know what else is going on that weekend, or it's just always like that, but it was packed. And um, I don't know. It's, it's a cool city, especially when you win in it. It's, it makes it a lot better. But, um, no, it's a really cool city. I think I haven't really got to check out the city that much. I was only down there for maybe a couple hours. I would have liked to go on. St- we didn't stay there, like. Our hotel was at the airport, so I only got to see it when I was literally at the race or, like, when I was downtown after. So, um, yeah, it's cool. I mean, there's a reason a lot of people go there. It's just it's a fun town, and um, I wasn't dressed to the right attire. I needed a cowboy hat or something, but uh, maybe <laughs> next time. Okay. Lewis, go ahead, man. Um, well, building on what I asked you after the race, uh, you said that you feel like you've turned a corner mentally since uh, Glendale. And obviously, you've been great since then. Some people would say you've been great all season, but that's just me. Um, <laughs> I feel like <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like the whole mental thing was overplayed in the middle part of the season. Like I really do. Like okay, you can take some of the blame, but there are also other things that have to take the blame as well for the mistakes yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, so it was never all mental, was it? No, no. It's it's. I mean, yeah, it's part. It's partly on me. Part um, some other stuff we had to like figure out just with bike testing and all that. Like, I don't know. It's it's it definitely was a big talking point. And like, dude, 
I couldn't even go on social media without seeing it. Like whether it was people commenting on my Instagram, like the commentators talking about it. Uh, I don't know. I, I couldn't even go. I couldn't go on my phone without seeing it, which was kind of like <laughs> maybe that that point it starts to get mental because you're like, man, like it's just that's all I see. It's all I can think about is just these late late race mistakes. So coming, I guess it was really. After the break of Seattle, I crashed while leading, and then after that, I mean, I was, I was, I left Seattle like it was weird because I wasn't even like I was bummed for sure, but it was like I was usually after the race, races like that, I'm super like don't want to talk to anybody, super mad. Like after Seattle, I was like, I was like, man, like it was weird because I was like in a like not a good mood, but I was like down to talk to whatever. Like I was not like. I, I was definitely bummed, but I wasn't, it was just a weird mood. Like I was almost like, I was just like defeated. And then I came back. Um, I rode in California only one day. I took that week pretty much off and I went and went to Santa Barbara hung out with my trainer. Uh, my girlfriend lives up there and I kind of just hit the reset button a little bit and came back for, uh, for Scottsdale and had a good race there. And then really from there, it's just been, once you have those, good races in a row it's just you gain confidence and um i've changed a few things up in my in my day-to-day schedule riding wise and then we also tested the week before scottsdale just to get me more confident um later in the races and uh it's it's paid off so far i mean season's not over by any means but i feel like as a rider i'm i've gained that confidence back because i've never 250 class i never really had these problems like Never like late race mistakes. Never really crashed that much in the 250 class. Obviously, it's a 450, but I uh, I just needed to get back to where I was confident later in the races, which I I'm I'm a, like my fitness is really good. I should be good. That's where, sh- where I should be attacking, and I shouldn't be making these mistakes. So now mentally, I just feel a lot better, and um, yeah, it's pretty much just all those little things came together, and now I feel like I'm not turning a corner, but I'm definitely on the right track at this point. Yeah, this is kind of what I presumed earlier. Like, I was thinking about this. And I don't think you ever actually struggled mentally. I think other people put that on you by saying yeah. it so much that at that point it's impossible to ignore, which sucks. Yeah. And what sucks even more is now that you've kind of fixed this, no one's giving you credit for that or, like, acknowledging that, which no, makes no, the people, whole situation suck. It doesn't really matter at this point. People will – they'll <laughs> – yeah, it's just – now it's all, um, yeah, they don't even, they don't even acknowledge it. So, I mean, I guess it's a good thing. If they're not saying anything, that's good. So, um, yeah, that's whatever. I, uh, I just keep winning, keep winning races and that's all I can do. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Chase, just a little bit of the same kind of topic. I've, I've really admired your resiliency this season. I, I feel like you've, you've hung in there, you know, even though things didn't always go as planned, you've, you've stayed strong and you've, and you've proven, and also you've stayed healthy and been there the whole whole entire season, which is, you know, a big thing for a guy younger in his career. And we've also seen, you know, Tomac had a couple of struggle years, RV, RC, Stewart, they all had that same thing. Do you, do you feel like through this lessons of resiliency that you've kind of checked those last boxes that now you know what it takes to do the championship and then kind of going into outdoors now, is it kind of like a, a redemption motivation kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I just always been taught. I mean, everyone going up, you never give up. And, uh, I mean, 
through the the hard times, I feel like that's when you make the most strides. And for me, I mean, I I acknowledged when I was having those crashes, like, okay, this is like the time you need to kind of push through and not be uh, not quit and give up. Or and it's just, yeah, it's it's the, the right answer is never giving up. So mm. for me, I just try to stay positive. And <clears throat> when you're when you're super negative, I feel like those things just happen easier. So um, <clears throat> I just try to stay positive and. I think, uh, I mean, my, I'd like to think I checked those boxes off. Um, it just seems like every year you always, everyone has their problems they have to face and no year is ever just perfect. So, um, you always have things to come up, but for me right now, I definitely feel like <clears throat> my season this year compared to last year's supercross season is light years above where I was. Um, obviously I had that great outdoor season last year, which you can't, it's just suit super hard to kind of connect supercross and motocross because it is so different and you have these you have different guys that are good at supercross good at outdoors obviously you have eli that's very good at both so my goal is to obviously um, be that guy where i can compete for championships in both series so this year in supercross my goal is coming in was to compete for a championship and hopefully come out on top at the end of the year and i needed obviously everything to go as planned to do that um, I've had some, like you said, some struggles, but I feel like overall I've, I've definitely progressed a lot this year. Um, speed is, is definitely, I, even last year being fast, I feel like I'm faster this year and my consistency is getting better. I think I've only had, I had that one race where I crashed in Indy where I was, um, outside the top 10 so far. And, um, and then I have, I think every, every other race I've been in the top five. So and then obviously Detroit, where I got docked those seven points. So it's, besides for those races, I think it's been uh, overall solid so far. But like I said, we got two more races to go, and if I can uh, win these two, and that's that's the goal is to put my my best foot forward, and we'll see what happens. But yeah, overall, I'm just pumped with the progression I've made, and mm-hmm. definitely overcoming those some of those hurdles this year. So at, at least at this point, um, is good, and just gonna try and keep progressing. So I saw earlier that like on Instagram that you and Kenny were out there having fun on the Supercross track and I didn't know, uh, is that just trying to keep your, yourself uh, mentally sane while trying to battle for this championship? <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I, I feel like uh, I deal with not pressure, but like I guess you could say pressure situations. It doesn't really affect me um, so much like during the week. Even in outdoors last year, I was pretty like loose and – I mean, I think it's how, you, it's how you have to go about it, especially if you think you're going to be competing for championships throughout your whole career. Because, I mean, that stuff can weigh you down. And Eli, I mean, he's – I think he's kind of mastered that. So, for me today, I mean, I, Kenny and I have been riding together quite a bit. We do gym together, bike rides pretty much almost every day we're training together during the week, which is cool because um, Kenny and I, we started when I moved to Florida kind of – he was kind of my mentor basically on when I was on two fifties, he was when he won, I mean, pretty much every moto that outdoor season when I moved to Florida. So he's kind of been my mentor. And then we kind of went through this weird spell where I moved to the 450 class and we were competing against each other. We were on the same team, but it was, we, our relationship kind of got weird. We didn't really talk that much. We were always never were like enemies or anything, but we kind of went through this weird part in our relationship. And now we're back. Like I feel like we're closer really than ever we race each other hard but we all always are clean obviously and um he's a great racer and it's been fun to have him as a 
a little bit of a training partner because he's uh, in a really good spot. Honestly, I haven't feel like he's definitely the happiest and the best he's been off the bike in a long time. So it's been cool. We pushed each other today. We did motos together, which is always fun. And we did a little bit of goon, goon riding um, <laughs> after the motos. I, I went on the track. He was just te- he was testing something, and I had my goggles like wrapped around my neck, basically. And uh, so then we just started messing around. So, um, but yeah, it's it's always fun. You got to keep the the mood light because the weekends are obviously game time. So during the week, you got to have a little bit of fun. Yeah, that's really good to hear because, like you said, you got to find that sanity in between all the expectations, everything going on, and to be able to have fun and ride with a guy like that at that level keep you keeps you on point. Um, I got one more for you. I think Lewis might have one to wrap up, and we'll let you go. Uh, with This is only your third season in the 450 class, and your progression has been absolutely stellar. What do you feel like looking back on these last couple of seasons, what have you learned about yourself as a competitor and just as a person dealing with the adversities and the struggles of being a professional athlete? Man, it's, it's hard to kind of pinpoint one thing. I mean, it's coming to the 450 class. I, I mean, I had two, especially my last year in the 250 class in my second, second year, I only won one race. I obviously won the championship. Um, but Austin, he had some obviously misfortunes, but I kind of like that next year I came in and I won five races was pretty, uh, I feel like really solid. And then I got moved to the 450 class, like right away, which I'm actually, I'm happy that it worked out that way. I feel like I'm better on the 450 as far as just riding and my riding style fits the bike. I'm, I'm a bigger guy. So, um, I think I got moved up pretty fast. So, maybe a little bit, I was a little bit naive that I could just go in and win right away. Um, not knowing how hard it is to, I just, I feel like I really struggled with, I guess, bike setup and on the 450, I haven't, um, I'm pretty comfortable this year, um, and outdoors last year, but besides that, I hadn't been super comfortable. So it's just hard to set up a 450. There's, they have so much weight and so much power. Um, I've dealt with that struggle with that a lot and it kind of, it drags into your pretty much your whole life when you're not comfortable on the dirt bike and you have to go perform on it. It's not the best feeling. So that I've struggled with. Um, and I mean, just the season is pretty, pretty long and grueling. I feel like I've done a good job at managing that. It's, uh, last year was my first full year of all the races and it, uh, it was gnarly, but I feel like at the end of the year, I was still like ready to go. So just that and the competition, it's just a whole nother level from the 250 class. I mm-hmm. always, I think when you're in the 250 class, you're just really naive on how, how good the guys are on 450s. Like they're the premier, premier guys and the tracks gnarly are, they just, it's no one really understands how tough it is to race in supercross and on 450, especially outdoors, just with the tracks being gnarlier, bikes are heavier, guys are better. It's, it's just a whole nother level. So just that and yeah, bike setup stuff. I just, yeah, it takes a toll on you if you're not comfortable. So mm-hmm. just those little things and how to manage that is kind of one thing I've had to learn. I have to, I've had to mature a lot since I got on the 450, but that's also just me growing up as well. So yeah, there's a lot, a lot of things I can, I can hit, hit on, but it's just, those are kind of the main things. Yeah. Great answer. Chase Exxon brought to you by FXR tonight. Lewis, wrap it up. Um, I'll let, I'll let you go with a nice easy one. Uh, no matter what happens in the last two rounds, 
I think, like, you've got to be stoked with how this year's gone. Like, you've got 11 podiums so far, same as Tomac. That's the same number of podiums that Tomac had last year when he won the championship. So clearly you're yeah. both at a very high level already. Um, that's a massive step up from where you were last year as well. Uh, you said earlier that you've dropped outside of the top 10 once, but you're actually in the top 10 in Indy. So let's not sell ourselves short on that. Um, yeah, overall, it's just been amazing no matter what happens these last two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's kind of how I'm looking at it. No, I, even going into like, yeah, this weekend I was coming to Nashville. I feel like, I mean, I'm just pretty, I'm, I guess I should say I'm happy obviously with, um, how I've been riding. I think like having, I don't know how many poles I have. I think maybe it's 12 this year. I think 12 poles. I think I've only, I missed three. So just with my speed and, I feel like the potential that I, I do have, I, I still feel like I haven't even touched my, my even came close to my ceiling yet. So that's, I guess that's something that's positive. I can look forward to. And, um, yeah, my season has been good. I got, uh, not my, my biggest thing was I was stuck on one win this year for a little bit. And I'm like, dude, I can't win one race this whole year. Like I gotta get, start clicking these things off. So, um, <clears throat> I think that's cool to have, I have four now and hopefully we can get a few more towards the end, but, yeah, it's been it's been a positive season. My whole my goal is just if I can keep progressing and get better each season I'm racing, that's that's the biggest thing for me because um I feel like I'm good right now, but if I can get better and better and better, it's uh it's it's only gonna be a good thing. So that's what I'm pumped on, not not getting uh stagnant and just keep getting better. So that's uh yeah, just positive and like I said, I got two more rounds, but overall just keeping a positive outlook on it and um yeah happy with how it's been going it always can be better so that's uh something i keep chasing fantastic chase i know you want to get back to uh, dinner with your family thank you for your time tonight uh good seeing you out at the monster party hanging out and just socializing good times in nashville uh lewis you want to say goodbye before we let him go um i'll let him wait i need to tell him this stat that i figured out oh okay um Chase has never won a 450 Supercross that I haven't been to. So that's where we're at. <laughs> yeah. Yep. He's, uh, you're 5-0. and oh. Better yep. put- And well, I'm going to be at the last two rounds, so oh. we're on. All right. That's all we needed to hear. <laughs> Chase, thank you so much, man. Have a good evening. Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right, bud. See ya. Bye. That's uh, Chase Sexton. Great times, Lewis. Uh, yeah, good interview, man. That was, that was some good stuff. I think he may think I'm a joke. I don't think you're, you're, yeah, you're in your head too much. We're not even going to get into that. No, he does not. Well, he, he was lapping it up when I said some, like, you've been great recently. Some people would say you've been great all season. That was he funny. He was laughing that up. He loved that. He laughed because it was funny. Good stuff. Yeah, you're in, yeah. Your, head, you're in your head too much. Um, um, go ahead. Question. Yeah. Was his phone breaking up for you or was it just me on my line? Uh, sounded, sounded good. Yeah, here. sounded good on this end. Okay. And yeah, I just thought second, that was a me issue. Just wanted to make sure. Yeah, never had any problems that I noticed. So, um, yeah, man, uh, before we let you go, can you give me your 6D picks for Denver? Um, yeah, my <laughs> shouldn't be that hard to pick. Oh, let's see. Wait, 450, yeah? Yeah, yeah, 450. Um, I know who your winner sex- is. <laughs> Could you mind not interrupting me? Thank you. Uh, Sexton <laughs> first. Uh, well, Sexton first, Tomac second, Roxton third. And I'll give you – I won't be on next week, so that will also be my picks for Salt Lake City. Okay. Yep. Um. Yep, just that's where we're at. Easy enough. Lewis, thanks for jumping on here. Uh, we'll talk to you real soon, man. Okay, thanks for having me. I'd also like just like to say, Jamie, quickly. Uh-huh. Yep. 
tomorrow is my birthday and you getting chased on was the best birthday present I ever could have had. So thank you. Well, I did not know your birthday was tomorrow. So happy early birthday. Uh, and you're welcome. Thank you. I, I, you did that for me. Thank you. Well, I did ask him to come on because I knew you were going to be on. That part is true. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for having me. How Bye. old are you going to be, Lewis? Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, we're not going to go into that. <laughs> All right. Cool. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you soon, Lewis. Thank you. All right. See All right. you. See ya. All right. Lewis Phillips, let him go. Yeah, that was a good interview. I think there was a lot of good stuff. I wish we could have asked him some more questions, but yeah, he had some other things going on that our, our time schedule is kind of interrupted. But yeah, brought to you by FXR. Uh, Doc, let's just get into you and your weekend just for a minute before yeah. we, we got Duff coming up here in just a little bit. Yeah, we mentioned, once again, second night show, quote unquote. It was a day show. I don't think that actually has anything to do with it, but you did <laughs> sort of say that you're, you feel worse, like more nervous during the day show? Or what, what did you uh, say? The day show, I just, I mean, I don't feel awake. Okay, like, at all. yeah. Like, I Chase just come into, come into the morning, and I'm just like, blah, blah. But then, by the time second qualifying comes around, I feel better than I do than the night show second qualifying. What I don't do you know think what that's, you don't know what that's about? You I can't. mean, I also came in, like, I got hurt at Houston, shoulder, shoulder issues. Yep. And I'm finally not feeling that anymore. Okay. So, I think it might also be, have something to do with that, even if it's not a conscious thought. Um, but, yeah, I mean... Uh, I don't know what it is. I think uh, well, I'm just riding better now, to be honest. How do you feel like, say, a couple races ago when you're first coming into this thing and qualifying and the struggles compared to now when you go into qualifying? Do you feel like you're adapting and adjusting quicker in free practice to the track so that when qualifying one starts, you're more prepared? Uh, I think I'm just getting everything out of the way. Like, okay. Uh, the first couple rounds... Uh, I was just struggling to hit everything in the in the free practice. Like I would hit ninety percent of the stuff, but that ten percent. I mean, I just I, that's what I started hitting. I just made sure I hit everything in free practice, um, and that just gets it out of your mind. Okay, I, I can hit it, no issues. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, other than that, I just I'm more confident, and I think it also brought my aggression. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <trust> <laughs> I'm, I'm more confident, and I, I think word. that brought brought my aggression up. That could have been the worst possible uh, voice pop timing, I think. Um, yeah. Hey, so uh, was that the hardest track that you've had to ride this season? Not at all. That was probably the other than the Dragons Back. Um, that was probably the easiest track, just because it was one mm. one rhythm across the whole track then, for everyone. Then why do you think that there was so much carnage? Just getting ready and and or I don't know. I you, think yeah, it, it, like it, like I was saying, there's pretty much one rhythm for everyone. Mm -hmm. So. The one rhythm is continuously getting beat out. down, yeah. and then of course, like the dragons back, and the whoops were small. Like they started, they started off the day mm -hmm. small. Um, yeah. Speaking of that, so in the press box, which was a fairly low press box, yeah. I remember saying, "I think I could blitz across those because they looked really probably not, but, I, yeah, yeah. obviously not right." Because <laughs> no, those no, guys no. are struggling, but when you, from up top, they looked flat. And they, they were more rolled. Small. Yeah, they, they, they look like you should just be able to rip right across them. They were a the little back. bit shorter, yeah. and they were very rolled. Um, I think they because they were anticipating rain. Yeah. Um, yes, definitely. And they, they were by far my favorite whoops, but for the whole year so far because they were yeah, smaller. Yeah, they were easy. Like, <laughs> okay. Uh, I loved it, but yeah, I mean, yeah, like the they were small. They were yeah. they were easier, and I think that also made people come into them faster, and then made more mistakes in the whoops because of it. 
Uh, I saw. I, I was watching the heat race, and I saw you. You were in eleventh, and I was just like, I was looking to see where tenth and ninth was, yeah, and I was yeah. like, take him out, let <laughs> yeah, <laughs> take right. him out, yeah. so that Doc can sneak in. I was I was rooting for it. Yeah, I um, I didn't know where I was at. Apparently, like I watched it back. I started in seventeenth, made my way up to tenth, and then went back to eleventh mm. because Kessler passed me. Yep. Um, I had no clue. I was there by myself. Didn't have a mechanic, so I, oh, I didn't yeah. know. I didn't think about that. Yeah, I didn't know what I finished. I was like, oh, I'm probably sitting between like 13th and 15th, and somewhere in there, just because I knew people crashed. Um, and I get back and my like my dad texts me and he's like, Hey, you, you got 11th. Yeah, that's good. I'm like, that's that's awesome. I, mean, I felt like I rode good, but not like that good. Did that make it a little easier mentally when you have to ride and you don't have a pit board saying 14th or, or t- 11th? And you're just like, yeah, I don't know. I'm just going to ride. Well, like I was saying, like I felt good, yeah. but I wasn't like on the absolute edge. Sure. Like I felt good and I felt comfortable and I was flowing. And that's what I was like. I just want to flow and just, just hit my lines, hit my mm-hmm. lines because people were crashing. The track sucks. <laughs> I feel like if I would have known that uh, that I was in 11th, I feel like I could push myself a little bit. Oh, uh, okay. Um, yeah, just to makes even, sense. Even if I didn't get there, to be closer. Yeah, um, yeah, because your 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 gap was kind of it was it was, was a little bit of a gap. It was a hefty gap at the yeah. end. Right. Well, let's talk about the track and the 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 race itself briefly before we get to Duff. You watched it on TV. I was there. Rewatched on TV. You raced it. Worst part of the track to me, was that Dragon's Back. 100%. That was terrible, right? It had an extra hump more than normal. It did. Five, it five instead of four. And it bit, I mean, Barsha broke his collarbone on it. Um, multiple guys crashed. I think Grant, I don't remember Grant Harlan crashed. It might have, I don't know. Yeah, Grant Harlan. Was did, it on the same spot? Uh, I think he may have done it in the whoops. Okay, yeah. Um, but, but, but still, that whole, that area, that whole straightaway, yeah. right? There was just so many crashes that day. Uh, there was a couple times where Eli and uh, even Chase were kind of, they'd kick a little funny. That thing was just yeah. sketchy because... Go ahead. You tell why. Well, I think they made it the double part of it too big. I think so. Coming off the dragon yeah, over the so single, you were having to hit it, and you had to hit it really fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you had to hit there it was really no hard. There, no, because like the landing of it was pretty peaked up too. Mm-hmm. I mean, you saw Barsha's stuff. Yep. If that was more rolled off, of course, it probably would have still happened. But there's more of a chance of him not clipping the top of it and then just straight like ragdolling. Um, they just made it a lot larger, double, like lengthwise than mm-hmm. I think they should have. Um, and then of course it was five instead of four. Normally they're four. I think the only other there was one round. I think there was a dragon's back that was five. Um, not east coast, west coast. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they just made it a little too large overall from the dragon's back itself to the double part off of it. Well, Scotty, we we lost Barsha with a collarbone, Benny with a collarbone, bone, I believe. Harlan, I think a shoulder came out. Web concussion, you know, who knows if there was anything else that they're not disco- disclosing. Uh, well, uh, go ahead. You said Jason, right? Jason, yeah, Jason. Uh, well, he had a prior injury that he didn't realize he had had a crash, I think he said in practice, mm-hmm. and he didn't think it was that bad. But then he crashed a couple times, mm-hmm. obviously, Saturday night, some pretty big ones. And yeah, he has a non displaced fracture at the C5 and C6 in his neck. Um, and then Pierce Brown actually, well, he, he broke his hand in practice, you know, during the week. Uh, so he's out with a hand surgery and he's going to get his meniscus fi- uh, fixed. But yeah, Jason actually didn't, I guess he injured himself prior, mm-hmm. but he took a per- couple, you know, what he, he went off, the, he got that cross rut and went off the track and he mm-hmm. took a couple, a couple other big ones throughout the night. The track bit a lot of guys and we got, yeah, a lot of injuries. Um, blame some of it on the track, blame some of it on just attrition of the season. Who knows? But yeah, the track was yeah. pretty rough. I think the the track like that, you know, 
usually during the day, those guys, they're, you know, they're obviously they're pushing in and qualifying and they're, you know, they're trying to get, they're riding to their capability, but it's yeah. not a race. When you have a race like that, it's, you know, it's May now. It's Nashville. It's, it was probably, I don't know what the temperature was. What was it? Probably like 80 something. I don't know if it was that hot. It might have been. I never looked. High 70s. Yeah, it, it was still, It was definitely it was, warm. It was sunny. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that track looked, it looked baked. It was good. And like this, and then. But I don't have think the, it was super blue grooved, was it? Like it didn't. The doc, did the track it? Was uh, there any, no, not no, really. So, not but, for but me. It was, you're right though. It was dry. It was dry, it was, especially yeah, yeah. compared to what we've kind of had throughout the most of this season. And I just think that having those guys push like that on a dry track kind of can cause a lot of those issues. I just, mm-hmm. and and there were so many fans there. Like, I just don't see why it wasn't a night race. I know I live in a perfect world. It was TV and all. I know so. I live in my little bubble where yeah, everything I mean, should just be the way, you, the way yeah, you want it. The way I want it. But I like, I I just, like living in that world for myself. So I get yeah, it. I get it. I think the, one of the reasons why it had so many crashes is because the track was so basic. Um, as in like the layout of it. Yeah. That yeah. it's, very easy to lose focus. It's like arena cross. It's very easy to lose focus whenever you're hitting the same thing the same way every thirty lap. times and yeah, yeah, because it's just times. like yeah. you don't you don't your brain is like oh I don't have to focus I've done this twenty nine other times right. and that thirty time is just you know just make like, make a mistake yeah and you made a good point about like, there's only one line so that one line just gets completely hammered so yeah that make that that makes sense um, before we get to our next guest what happened to you in the LCQ. Oh, I uh, I had a false neutral on the face of the finish. Why? Uh, <laughs> uh, like I said, it's a, it's a false neutral, which means uh, it was between second and third gear. So uh, not first and second. Right, I understand. Yeah, I know. So, I know what false neutral yeah, is. I know. It's just it was like, it was a painful thing to happen. I ended up uh, hitting that smack in the seat, um, racking myself so hard that I immediately threw up in my helmet. And wow, uh, Dude, that's yeah, like, like pretty well, like hit the ground. I didn't go down, but I just hit the seat and just went <laughs> and then just everything. Uh, I drank, I drank a whole almost a whole water like 20 minutes before my moto, and it was gone. Oh, it was out, man. all of it. Yeah, um, and the wet, uh, not the tuna like, sandwich. How, like, how, how far through the LCQ? This is second lap. Oh, Jesus, yeah. Uh, and then I couldn't stand up. I, I, I stopped when they took my transponder off and almost yeah. fell over because I put my leg down to because I, I couldn't stand up on the bike. I went to put my leg down whenever I got over to them to get the transponder off and almost fell over like because I put my foot down and there was I just could not do anything. Was it on the gas tank or uh, your nuts on the no? You so the like I hit the seat. <laughs> And then just rolled forward. Oh, so just, yeah. Awesome. The old smash and smush, yeah. Uh, good, times, good times. Well, we got our yeah. next guest on the line. He's going to be brought to you by WUSA, which is your source for all things wheels. If you're looking for a complete set of wheels for your bike, we have something for every budget. If you want to use the same wheels used by Eli Tomac, Cooper Webb, Malcolm Smith, Christian Craig, Chad Reed, and Jeremy McGrath, just to name a few, we have what you need. We have the exclusive W Edge wheel set starting at $799. And as the exclusive importer of Han, Kite, and Talon Hubs, as well as Excel and DID rims, we can build your dream wheels. Visit WUSA. Don't forget to mention Moto X-Pod to save. Tonight, WUSA brings us 2022 uh, 250 West Championship Mechanic and current mechanic for Hayden Deegan, Chris Duff. What's up, Duffy? What's that? You called me Chris Duff? Oh, yes, I did. Yeah. Brent. Man, I was reading. I was reading <laughs> you my notes. Say Christian Craig, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. I was reading my notes and I said Christian Craig, and I yeah, I've got it. But yeah, we, it's all right. It's Duffy. How's it going, guys? It's going good, man. How how are you feeling? You uh, recovered from a fun weekend in Nashville? 
Oh man, Nashville is definitely my favorite city in the world. Uh, yeah, that was a really cool spot. I, I hope we get to keep going back there. So is it your favorite city in the world after this weekend, or did you already have some experience there? Because it became my favorite this weekend. Yeah, I've been there a bunch in the past. Like I've, I've always, as a privateer mechanic, we used to drive around the country and I always made sure to stop in Nashville and like way back in the arena cross days. Uh, I think we had a couple of rounds there. Yeah. I think this, I'm ready to make a petition that Nashville should be the finals. I will sign that. Yeah. That was so much freaking fun, dude. I got to hang out with you quite a bit. Uh, it, yeah, just a blast. Yeah. And even though it's an open stadium, like that's one of the only reasons I would say don't go back there. I was really, really, really hoping we weren't going to have a back-to-back mutters. Mm. But, uh, you know, last year we didn't have any mutters, so we got off pretty easy. I, I would have been okay with two. Yeah, I'm glad it didn't rain either, but honestly, all I cared about was getting out of that stadium and going out to Broadway, but we're going to get into some racing stuff, and I mentioned you, Christian Craig's mechanic last year, won a championship. I mean, you've worked with a ton of different guys, Justin Bright, many, many riders. You've been in the industry a long time, but what I want to know is going from Christian, a, a veteran of the sport, very classy guy, very smooth, technical rider, and then going to a rookie like Hayden, what's been the biggest difference between those two riders um man the veteran rider knows exactly what he wants in a bike setup and uh like even so hayden is new to big bikes like he's he doesn't know how good a bike can be so he gets on a bike with this guy's setting and absolutely loves it they say well if you like that we've improved it let's try this setting whoa it does get better so it's (laughs) we can like just keep on making his day like by making the bike better and better and better versus you know preseason sometimes it's a lot rougher because you have someone that's not happy not happy not happy and then you this is good enough to go racing Mm. but with hayden it's let's go racing i love it oh hold on let's try this one whoa (laughs) even better and it just seems to be the theme lately we just keep giving better and better and better stuff and he's pretty good at absor- absorbing that and listening and going, oh, okay, and learning the, you know, because I'm sure he's not a great tester just yet. Yeah, but he's also, his dad knows a lot about setting up, you know, dirt bikes, trucks. He knows suspension and he's got a really good eye. So I think they talk a lot away from the track and really helps him understand his feeling and, you know, translate that to us. Okay, cool. Yeah, so him being a rookie and then, um, he also him also having this huge following behind them with their social media like platform, um, like I know that has to affect you in some way, and I was just curious how that how that goes with you. Uh, it's definitely brought a lot of uh, attention my direction, and like I've always I've always had people at the races know who I am. Just I was with JB for so long, and he's a likable guy, and you know, just being at this level, you kind of become known, but it's. It's pretty wild. A lot of people recognize me now, and there's also a lot of just people at the truck and noise around him, and there's just a lot more people now. It's it's crazy. Well, and not only that, I experienced it walking around with you on Broadway. Like people everywhere, Duff, Duffy. <laughs> yeah, you know? it really shows you that the reach that that kid has. Yeah. Like it's it's pretty cool. It's really really cool to see. It's not something I expected or I asked for, but. You know, I, it's pretty cool, uh, but it, I'm just blown away. Like, people don't know me because 
I can spin a T handle fast. Like, <laughs> it's because of him. So uh, the more people know me, the more I'm impressed with just the size of it. And it's not, you know, just him, it's the whole family. Yeah. So people are always wanting Hudson's autograph and where's your sister? Is your mom here? Like people <laughs> want to see everybody. So uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah, moto guys are so gnarly, dude. Like, I was, I remember seeing uh, Dallas. I saw the uh, the line for get to get Hayden's autograph, and oh, like, yeah. it, dude, it blew my mind. I I couldn't believe it, dude. But, it's, it's longer than like the the Eli side. With like at yeah. Daytona, they were back to back in the garage. So one side of the garage, mm-hmm. and there was like this huge crowd around Aiden, Hayden, yeah. and nobody really around yeah. Eli. There, I mean, it was. You kind of wonder if the other guys are like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> yeah, we we uh, send our autograph line one direction, and the 450 guys send theirs the other. <laughs> and I think the total's about a mile. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's crazy. crazy how many people are there, and they start lining up as soon as the, the pits open. And it felt bad because we used to not sign until after the final qualifier, and we decided this weekend, like, we can't let people stand in that line for four hours because right. they will. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's, just, well, it's just, impressive. Just like that kid at Daytona that we yep. did the video. He'd been standing there for, I think, four hours, you know? Yeah. yeah. So I, I think we're kind of changing our, our schedule now yeah. to get, him, get it early in the day because people will skip every qualifying session just to see him come in <laughs> and out of the truck. And no. not care that they missed no. everything else except for, yeah. I'm sure yep. there's <laughs> – Exactly. I, I know you got a question, Scott. Yeah, okay. Sorry. I know there's got to be people that are coming now just to see Hayden that maybe aren't even that much like weren't previously Supercross fans have you found that at all that people are just Hayden fans and that's why they're there yeah a lot of it is you know young kids uh you know his age and everyone tells me I watched him from YouTube when he was on 50s and uh now I don't really have a chance to talk to all these guys so Mm -hmm. I don't know if many of them have a moto background or not but I see the Deegan merch all over half the pits yeah yeah, Jeff, it's so uh, you mentioned Brian Deegan knowing a lot about the bike and stuff like that. And it, it seems like he's does a pretty good job of finding a balance between being involved but not like being over involved. And I, I just wanted to know, like, just for you to describe your relationship with him, how that's going compared to like, you know, how you expected it to go coming into it. Uh, it's actually going as great as I would as I uh, was expecting it to be. Uh, he's. He's not like he's a hands-on dad, but he's not a hey. His bike's doing this. I need you to fix it. Like he's more so uh, see stuff on race day that maybe we don't see. And uh, him and Hayden study a lot of stuff. So he'll come at us with uh, stuff maybe he sees the bike doing or sees someone else's bike doing. And it's it's not a lot of I need you to fix the motorcycle. It's a lot of Hayden riding technique. So. Uh, He'll spot some some stuff if we're talking about changing the fork, uh, what we think it's doing, and he'll he'll give us his his input on it. But he's never addressing uh, really addressing the motorcycle and trying to correct it. It's more so working with Hayden just to make sure that that he can, I guess, evolve and improve. What you talked about, Hayden, obviously being a rookie and kind of learning as you're testing things how things can get better. But is there anything in particular he's super picky about? Not really, no. Uh, he's he's always really good. I can normally set his bars and levers perfectly, but he's he's really sometimes might adjust the clutch lever, ah. but that's it. He just wants his controls in one spot, but he's never tweaking them after every session. He just sets it and goes. He just wants it to. He just wants a motorcycle to ride. 
Yeah, he he's just seems like a real easy keel kid. You know, I know there's a lot of people that have opinions because they think there's so much hype, and that just makes them upset that he has all that hype. But Hayden's a good kid, man. Like he's super respectful, and I, I don't know. I was very impressed with him. Yeah, I wish everyone got to see the side of him that we get to see like in a normal setting. Yeah, like it's it's a lot to 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 give someone like that much attention, you know, right away. And when, when there's not a lot of people around, he does make time for people. And, uh, you know, he's, he's awesome to those people, but on race day, when there's 200 people around, they can't really see him and he, he can't really acknowledge all of them because it's loud under there when they're oh, yeah. all screaming, but he's, he's an awesome, respectful kid. I, I really like working with him. Nice. Yeah. If you say that, if anybody at the star tent says that, Hayden was going to be the best star guy in in the East, at least, and that he was going to be second in points. Both those things, like you really, I think it would really be hard to say that anybody would predict that. Not that it's maybe as surprising, but you, to say that that's the case would have been a tough ask. How has that ride been to this point where y'all are, you know, second in points with the the battle with Anstey? How has that journey been, and just like the the, the surprise of where he's at in right now? Uh, it's it's been unreal to watch, uh, especially going into the futures race. Uh, you know, we were thinking we were going to do two amateur races, and then we're talking maybe we do round one, maybe we just do a couple supercrosses, uh, maybe like the middle three supercross races, and then uh, quit supercross and get ready for outdoors and. Uh, we're trying to let Hayden learn racing supercross without the pressure of having to perform. Like they just wanted him to go get experience at these races and there was no pressure for him. And he said, uh, no, I want to race the whole series. I want to wait race round one. And it was his choice. We were pushing to hold him back and just do a couple, but he's like, I'm ready. Let's do it. Let's do it. And I expected it, you know, top fives, like as the season wore on and he got really good. They're like a lot more comfortable. And, you know, I packed a couple extra subframes thinking this might be a heck of a rookie season, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's been so consistent and so sharp, but he practices like that during the week too. So I'm not surprised when I see him go that fast, but I wasn't, I, I was kind of on the fence like everyone else. I wasn't sure if he was going to be able to race like that once you put race day pressure on him. But mm-hmm. it doesn't seem to seem to bother him. No, that was something that was probably the most impressive. Like, there's other amateur kids that go pro that I expect a lot, a lot out of. Like, I, I have a bit of a relationship with the D Francescos, and I just expected so much more out of Ryder than what we've seen so far. But there's those growing pains. But yeah, with Hayden, there wasn't much of a growing pain. Yeah. And, yeah. and you talked about a speed a minute ago, dude. The corner speed at Houston was like yeah. alien. That. I don't know what he was doing. <laughs> he said he we had him on the show I and he know. said he blacked out doing it like for the G forces. Yeah. Yeah. It almost looked like some out of a video game yeah. sped up. That was pretty cool, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah um, I remember you, seeing it like, man, that's really cool. I, I wish I could go that fast for a lap. Dude, I wish I could go that fast one time in one corner. Yeah, just, just yeah one. that corner specifically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I well, the, hold on to your to your point, Jamie. You know, it seems like a year ago we were saying we'll race Ryder when it's time, and yeah, then like now here he is. You know, the way around. about to be on the podium for a championship, and Ryder hadn't even made the yeah, class yet. Like yeah. it's it's just so crazy how fast that stuff can you change. Just never know. Yeah. And to to kind of touch on that too, uh, 
a year ago, uh, Brian and I uh, had this conversation at Nashville after the main event, like uh, fourth place. He had a average start and came through to fourth. You know, he caught uh, second and third, but he couldn't get close enough to make a move and race is over. So he was, Hayden was kind of bummed on it and we weren't, you know, smiles and cheers. And I reminded him like, man, round one, we, you got fourth and we couldn't have been happier. That was awesome. And uh, we kind of were talking, well, at this point a year ago, we would have never thought he could have been here because Hayden a year ago uh, would have been smoked by Hayden today. So as long as we keep getting this progression, I I can't imagine where he'll be in another year. Obviously, it's harder to keep getting, make that big of improvements at this level, but the kid soaks up knowledge like a sponge. That's yeah, yeah, I can see that. Um, I want to touch on you for well, that sounds terrible. <laughs> you say you do that a lot. Uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I want to touch. I want to touch on you for a minute, Doug. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa! Hey, that, what happens in Nashville stays in Nashville. <laughs> yeah, we won't talk about the nightlife in Nashville, but um, no, people, you were handpicked basically by the Deegans, right? You were available, but they they wanted you. That has to be something that has to make you feel pretty good. It shows how much you've grown as a mechanic and how far you've come. Yeah, uh, so I I met the Deegans years ago when they would come by Club MX and get ready for the Ritalins. Uh, I was working with JB, uh, so I got to to meet them way back then. And uh, came to Star, worked with Christian, and as soon as Christian uh, told everyone he was leaving, that's when it started coming coming up to me. Like Brian wants you to work with Hayden next year, uh, and I was I was pretty like happy to know like okay someone wants me to work with them that's good not just here you're assigned to this guy uh and they wanted someone a little older to be with hayden just to be on the line knowing he's like i've been there i can talk him through certain stuff and yeah that was that's pretty nice to know that someone at that level wants to work with me but you know i've i've also been in it for a while so yeah, I can see their side wanting someone that's been at the factory level for a while just to make sure their kid is well taken care of. Yeah, definitely. That's cool. Cool story, though. Yeah. With that being said, is there are you are you Hayden's guy until you're not, or is it like? Well, I know. I know let me. Mean. Yeah. And and is there an opportunity that you would even pull you away from that, or kind of how do you look at that whole thing? Uh, you know, I, the agreement was come come work for Hayden and uh I guess it was said until the end of his star deal uh you know that being said I don't run the star team but there's zero complaints and zero talks of moving anyone around so yeah I think we just we have a really good relationship him and I gel really well uh me and his dad little brother everyone we it's a really really good fit so I don't see that changing cool Couple more th- for, uh, a couple more things for you, Duff. Um, how do you feel like you've improved as a mechanic over the last three or four years? What what, have you, what are you doing better? What are you more um, sort of more efficient at? Um, efficient. Uh, I don't know. I think once you get to this level, you kind of pick up little tricks. Uh, I guess mainly the only time you want to be efficient is on Sundays when you're rebuilding the motorcycle all day long. <laughs> so, I've, uh, you know, we've all got our little tricks on build day, but I think the same guy I was four years ago is the same mechanic I am today. I, don't, I wouldn't really say I've improved on any, anything. I've, 
build all my wheels. So I've really gotten good at making those things straight. <laughs> oh, I might have to send you some then. Perfect. I, <laughs> oh. I, now I know a guy. Uh, <laughs> if they fit a YZ250, send them over. I'll even break them in for you. Oh, oh well, yeah, I've got a YZ250 sitting in the shop. So, yep. So do I. <laughs> <laughs> uh, two more questions for you real quick. I'll just ask them together. So you just talked about rebuilding a bike. Uh, how was the rebuild after East Rutherford? Had to be one of your favorites. And does the grind get old ever? The rebuild after East Rutherford was a long one. Uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, we had to stay and wash bikes after the race, which the race was postponed. So mm-hmm. we were at the track even later. I think we got out of there at 2 a.m. And knowing we had a, uh, and that was just power washing the bikes, no real disassembly, just plastic off. So the next morning at 7 a.m., we got to the track and worked till I think 11 p.m. Uh, and then put our finishing touches on when we got to Nashville. But it was a lot, a lot of work. Just everything was hammered. Uh, every electronic piece, like the bikes were going through puddles for 15 minutes or 12 minutes, whatever it was. So we replaced nearly everything on the bike and the, all the rocks and the dirt just scratched the heck out of everything. And as far as the grind getting old, no, uh, you know what you sign up for? Sometimes it's, you feel like you're kind of getting in a rut, but, uh, you just enjoy it. Like remember I'm sitting at an airport right now, flying to a dirt bike race again. My buddies are at home, uh, you know, working normal jobs, going to the same building every day. And I'm going to watch motorcycle racing every single day. And I get to work on the best bikes ever. That's pretty fun. Yeah. That's a perfect way to look at it. Uh, Brent, man, thanks for your time, dude. I, I always, I've enjoyed every time I've got to hang out with you starting at Winterset iowa at that race that was i think the first time i actually met you just a great guy had a lot of fun hanging out with you this weekend and i always appreciate you as a person and yeah it's great talking to you yeah thanks for that uh yeah i really appreciate you bringing me on so until next time thank you all right duffy take care D- brett duff brought to you tonight by wsa all right take care man thanks bye see ya yeah he's he's an awesome dude man really i don't know if have you, did you ever get? Did you meet him when we were? I, I didn't meet. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but I think we've talked to him yeah. back when he was Christian's mechanic. Yeah, I think. So. I think we he's had always him. been a good Such one. Such a good yeah. guy. Um, have you ever got a chance to talk uh, to him? I've just seen him around. Yeah, super, super friendly. If you guys are at a race, you get a chance to go by the Star Tent. You know, I'm sure you want to see Hayden, but say hi to Duff, man. He's he's a super, super fun guy. Um, let's see. We got to get David Pulley on in just a moment. You kind of young, so your thoughts might not be as a um, critical on this. But uh, you, have you been to Nashville? Yeah, to, <laughs> have you been to Nashville ever? Uh, Freestone. No, Nashville. Oh, Nashville. Yeah, I think what, you said what, a national. Oh, nationals. No, Nashville, uh, Tennessee. No, I have not. What would you think of that as a final? Like, I mean, okay, so Vegas, like the stadium at Vegas, sucks. Sam Boyd sucked. Now, if they could get it at the the football stadium, I don't remember what that's called. Um, that'd be cool, but. Like I don't gamble, yeah. So going out to the casinos doesn't mean much to me. Like I don't find Vegas that exciting personally. I you you don't you didn't go to Vegas for Sam Boyd Stadium. You went to Vegas because it's like it's the final. It's the you know the coup de gras. It's Vegas, and it's like the I think just the feeling and the aura that Vegas brings had that uh, vibe to it. I 
I was pleasantly surprised to see how the Nashville crowd was, even at a day race. Like they were, yeah, they were people. there, and yep. they they were rowdy. And I I thought it was great. I'll I'll say this: whether it's Nashville or not, Salt Lake City ain't it. Like that is not where we finish. That I agree with. The this like that's that's like the the it's worst. Like, it's like the lamest lame. venue that we go to. And that stadium. So that yeah, if we're talking venues, stadiums. Yeah, that stadium's not great. It's a it's a small college football yeah. stadium. Sam Boyd was same thing. And then uh, Nashville, it's an open stadium. It's not huge. It's not it's certainly not AT&T in Arlington. Yeah. But it's definitely better than the other two. Yeah. And then city-wise, Salt Lake City's by far, those three we're talking about, at the bottom. Yeah. I mean, hell, everything closes down in Salt Lake City, I think, at 10 or 11 o'clock at night. Like, you can't go anywhere. Nothing's open. Yeah. There's no bars open, nothing. And again, like, yeah, the 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 vibe of Vegas just doesn't, do anything for me personally. I know people love it, but I I feel like Nashville kind of equals it in some ways as far as yeah. the nightlife. And if you're into live music, it's just killer, man. And I'd almost say like the final should be a day race in Nashville every year, even though I don't like day races. Get it over with. You literally walk a quarter mile across the bridge over the river, and you're there. You're ready over to over the river and through the woods and to Broadway Street. Get, we you go. had to get trash in Broadway in the. the Oh my God, the women, dude! Uh, so wait, did you did did you drink? Maybe. Did you have a good time? I did. <laughs> I did. We'll talk off air about that. Okay, cool. Um, I had a lot of fun. Yeah, I, the the monster party was pretty cool, and just spent a lot of time with some friends. Uh, I I don't I, think I paid for a meal or a drink the entire time I was there. Like talking about how popular Duff was, I was very surprised. At how many people knew who Dude, I was? Dude, I mean, you're you're getting there. I I will say that I think I'm not saying to you that you need to start partying and get to where you can just you know just slam them back and just oh yeah, that's obviously, not my style, but yeah, I don't, I don't never see you becoming like an alcoholic or someone no, that drinks no, all the no, time. No, no, no. But I I will say that the opportunity that this presents itself and the fact that you are kind of becoming a little bit of a media person, a little I, bit of a media person. What are we saying? You're a yeah. You like to touch on guys, I guess. <laughs> Ouch. Right. Hey, so, okay, my, my point is that I I think that it's a wasted opportunity if you don't go out and have a little bit of fun. Oh, I agree. Especially at like places like Nashville yeah. and, and you know Cal Anaheim one. And if you're not taking advantage of those advantage of those opportunities, I think it's a little bit of a waste. I don't disagree. We'll get back into that just for a second. Our, our next guest of the night's on. He's going to be brought to you tonight by Guts Racing. Andy Gregg and the Guts Racing crew have been providing the best seat covers and foam in the industry for many years. For 2023, they've added Kawasaki to their complete seat lineup, as well as the color teal to the gripper material options available. Also new for 2023 are options for your e-bikes. They have complete seats for the Talaria and Super 73 and covers for the Segway and Suron, and they have options for the Honda, KTM, and Husqvarna electric bikes. Visit GutsRacing.com today and order your seat covers. Tonight, Guts Racing brings us privateer David Pooley. What's up, David? What's up, guys? How's it going? It's going good, man. Glad to get to talk to you again. Um, I did an interview with you, I don't know, a week or so ago for a feature I wrote on Vital, but a lot of the stuff we talked about I didn't use in the article. So I'm going to ask you some of the same questions again because I thought you had a really cool story. Um, for those that don't know, you've been in racing professionally for 10 years now, but I'd like you to kind of touch on your, how you got into the sport. Your, your dad was a professional jet ski racer. I'd like you to tell that story again, cause I didn't use it in the article and I thought it was really cool. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. So uh, I, I started out riding jet skis. My dad was a professional jet ski racer, and I pretty much rode jet skis my whole life up until basically around eight years old. I got into dirt bikes, and basically I wasn't old enough to race jet skis. And back then, I think you had to be like 14 or something like that, and I was just kind of tired of waiting. So I was like, hey, dad, like I want a dirt bike. I just kind of randomly got into seeing dirt bikes and stuff. And I was like, this looks cool. I want to ride dirt bikes. And, um, it was kind of funny how it all happened because, um, we started out like my dad would train in Mexico. We'd go to Rosarita beach and he would train in the surf there for the surf competitions on the East coast. And there was a little motocross track right there. I had like a little 50 CC quad and like a little PW 90 that I used to ride. And they had little races. I would race there and stuff. <laughs> just like little for fun stuff. And then that's when I was like, Hey, I want to get a real bike. And then he got me a YZ 80. And in the time, at the time it's like 2000, 2003, I think. And we, so we have like this 1990 YZ 80 and my dad rode for Yamaha and stuff, but he didn't want to ask them for help. If (laughs) we, if I wasn't really going to be completely serious and into the sport. So he bought this bike from his friend. We get it. And it had like a cow cow skin seat cover and it was all like freestyled <laughs> out. And yeah. It was pretty, it's pretty funny. And he, he fixed it. We fixed it all up, like put race kit, like graphics and everything on it makes it look all nice for what it was. And the only race I could find at the time was the world mini grand prix. And I'm like Googling dirt bike races. And that's the only one that came up. And I was like, Hey dad, can we go do this race in Vegas? And he's like, yeah, sure. And, um, we start, we signed up for it and we really knew nothing about the sport and really comparative, I guess, if we kind of saw, if we knew what entries normally cost and stuff, maybe we would have realized how big of a race it was. But (laughs) for my dad with jet ski racing and stuff, it was still cheaper than what they kind of paid and whatnot. So he just figured it was a regular race fee and whatnot. And, we drove out there and we're on the way out there and I'm like, Hey dad, if I win the race, can I get a new bike? And then he's like, yeah, sure. For sure. And then we like pull up and there's like everyone's huge RVs and just so many people there. And both of our eyes are like just huge, like wide open. And, um, we were just like, he, we, he was basically like, we just make it through the week of racing and we'll get you new bikes when we get home. <laughs> and, that's it. and, uh, yeah, so that's kind of how I got started. Uh, I think I raced like seven to 11 and I didn't get last, but I definitely didn't do great, but didn't win. <laughs> that's what got me hooked into the sport. And just from that day on, I just knew I always wanted to get better. And, um, my dad helped me a lot with progressing and racing and locally and whatnot too. We'd, he'd hire a filmer for pretty much every race we had. And even if I like won a race, he would have me watch the raw footage of the race and, like oh you didn't put your leg out here or you didn't wait the outside peg like little stuff like that that helped me progress much quicker since i started about four or five years behind everyone else um so yeah and then it got to a point where my dad couldn't train and still take me racing anymore with like ponka and all the amateur nationals and stuff so he was eighth in the world when he retired from racing and that's kind of how i've always had the number eight in my number when I was growing up, like oh, okay. I picked that on 80s and then just, I, I stuck with it. And 
Um, yeah, so pretty much every number I've ever had has always had that number in it. And my dad pretty much gave up his dreams to help me chase mine. And he's, uh, I'm super grateful for everything my dad did for me. And um, he's super proud of me no matter what. So it's really cool. He really enjoys, he used to go to all the races with me and stuff. And now he lives in Texas, so he doesn't come out to all the races, but um, I still get him out to as many races as we can. And he really enjoys it. That's a cool story, man. I, the, the fact that your dad gave up that professional career to support you, that's just rad. Yeah, it's super cool. And it's, it's um, just, it was really cool of him to do that. And in a way it kind of, subconsciously like put a little more pressure on me in a way is like that I really wanted to do good. And I, I always wanted to get as far as I could in the sport, you know, but um, like, I just, I always wanted to do the best I could. And especially for him giving up his dream for yeah. me to chase mine, you know? So it's, um, it's, it was a really cool thing of him to do that. All right. So I got, a, I got a two parter for you with that. So compare your dad to, a guy like in the moto world, if he was, you know, you said he was eighth in the world, compare him to what you think he would be as a moto guy. And then also, what do you, what do you think is, is more sketched? Like going down like a rough ragged out, like Glen Helen or like Millville Hill, or like getting like 40 mile an hour winds off of like the coast of a beach. And just cause I, I saw a video not too long ago of one of the stand up jet guys and he hit like this wave dude. And it, it launched him to the freaking yeah, moon. Like hundred feet. In the yeah, air. yeah, dude. So, like, what what feels sketchier? Um, <clears throat> I've never really ridden jet skis and like surfed that gnarly. Mm -hmm. uh, when my dad was on tour, he had stuff like that. But my dad actually raced the runabouts. I rode the stand ups, and um, I would say probably honestly, the jet skis and the surf with like gnarly waves. Like the, I think the video you were talking about was actually one of our, my dad's friends, Chris McCluggage, I believe, or mm -hmm. it might've been farthing, but uh, that was a super like racing the surf and a jet ski is like really gnarly because sometimes the waves can be five, six feet, even higher than that. And the course is like buoys in the water. So you're not just like going in a circle or anything. Yeah. There's like, you know, and then, you can't see and you're trying to time the waves to double and stuff like that. Like there's one race we had in Fort Worth that my dad did and he came up on the wave and like kind of came up short on doubling it. And then he slammed his neck on the bar pad and uh, he thought he was okay, but we were at dinner later that night and his throat started closing up and we had to go to emergency. Wow. So like little, it, it, it's pretty gnarly. Like it's like the super cross of like the jet ski roll. Yeah. I would say like surf races. But Doc, Doc Smith's in studio with me right now. How would you like to do a double that's moving? Yeah, I'll pass on that. <laughs> yeah. A double what movie? A, a double that's moving. It's, oh, a double that's moving. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah. 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 That's, that's what's, it's like, it's as if uh, like the old MX Unleashed when you could like jump the freestyle ramps in the back of the freight trucks going <laughs> yeah. down the road. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's awesome. Um, so David, as you put, as, go ahead, as go ahead. um, sorry to cut you off. Oh. I guess I, I would say my dad would probably be like in the probably like comparable to like Dean Wilson or a kind of top 10 guy like that in the pro runabout class would be kind of where he'd compare to you. Still pretty, that's legit. Yeah, that's pretty damn yeah. good. You got another one? Or are you good, Scotty? Oh, that was just my two parter. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't mean to interrupt that. No, um, you're good. 
So, yeah, David, when you start going pro, you did some arena cross races, and you did pretty well in those. But I want to talk – you told me when you transitioned into Supercross, you thought it'd be fairly similar, but it wasn't. Trying to talk about that, making that transition. Yeah, so that's what was really tough for me when I, I – I did arena cross like 2011, 2012, and I did pretty good. I got fifth in the 2012 um, the championship when I raced it and then just went into Supercross in 13, and I thought it was going to be really, really um, similar to how I was racing out there. And um, just it wasn't on <laughs> my first season. I think Salt Lake was like my first night show in 13, and then I was lined up next to Roxon and um, both of us in the LCQ because – I was like 10th in the heat race. And then I went like, uh, I was going through a rut and kind of had something weird in it. And I ended up endowing over this triple in the rhythm and DNF. And then both me and Roxon were next to each other in the LCQ. So that was a little nerve wracking for like yeah. my first night show and stuff. Welcome to Supercross. <laughs> yeah. So that was pretty gnarly for me. And it was, it was just, uh, for me, it's been like a mental battle the whole time, just especially like, in amateurs and locally I did pretty well. And then in arena cross, I did pretty good. And then going into Supercross, I think the first season I did 250, but then I moved up to 450 because it paid more. Yep. And that really hurt me mentally because I really struggled a lot more than I would have if I kept progressing on the 250. And just it mentally beat me up every weekend, not like having an expectation of where I felt like I should be or was capable of and just not reaching that. And that's part of why I work with a mental performance coach now. And uh, it's just, I was really result oriented and I basically like defined my worth by my results. So if I didn't do good, then I felt like I was like a failure in a sense, which like really beat me up and kind of made it why it's taken me so long to progress as much as I have, because I kind of did the same thing year after year after year. And then it's just like doing the same thing doesn't get you any different results, you know? And I was just like, Oh, just need to ride harder. You just need to get more laps and stuff like that. And, um, that's really how a lot of our sport is. It's kind of like, Oh, you just need to do more laps. You need to ride harder. You need to send it. And every other professional sport, they, a lot of their teams have like mental performance staff for their athletes and stuff. And I didn't really know much about it until I got into it about two years ago, but it like unlocked a whole new game for me and just keep I'm on the older side being the same age as, uh, you know, Eli and stuff. But, um, I've gotten to where like I'm progressing so much every single race, every single year. And now like last weekend was my best race. I think pretty much of all time I've had. And, um, that was just the beginning of like what we've unlocked. I feel like, so I'm really excited to see how these next few races go and for next season and maybe hopefully try to ride some outdoors. But, um, it's just, it's crazy how big the mental role like plays a part in our sport and all sports in general. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, David. So you've, you've got one of the, the most interesting sponsors out there nowadays. Um, do you, do you think that, that would have been something that you maybe would have built or come across without Carnell doing it, or does he have, you kind of have to give all the credit for him to kind of pioneering that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, so what's funny is the first, the year that 
Carr now started bringing the OF girls kind of into his sponsorship program. I actually, me and my teammate on when we were riding on the Somnium team, Addison Emery, we had this OF girl. Her name was, um, um, oh, I forget her last name, but it was Felicia. And she she sponsored like a seat cover. We did a seat cover with her and like our merch. And it, Somnium did like a custom seat cover. I believe we ran it for Phoenix or A2. And so we kind of were the first ones to do it, but we didn't bring it as on as big a like, scale as he did as pushing it on the social media and stuff. And I was a little kind of back and forth because of my fan base on my social and whatnot. But Logan really definitely pioneered that and really taking advantage of like the full reach and possibility with doing all that. And as far as connecting with corporate OF, like I don't think it would have been possible without him bringing it in. So it's, he's definitely the pioneer of bringing them into our sport. Yeah. I reached out to them when he first started, when he got the OF deal, uh, not, not when it was like Hannah, right. When OF actually officially came on board, I reached out to them and their marketing department was very big on supporting, you know, and from supporting sports and riders like him and yourself, and also pushing the fact that it's not just quote unquote porn. It's a lot. It's that wasn't the original design and there's a lot of other stuff on the OnlyFans website. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard sometimes being on like the forefront of it because a lot of people think that's all the site is. But if you like, for instance, all my vlogs released first on watch OFTV and that app is all just none of that content's X-rated. It's all like cooking, fitness, (laughs) right. um, Comedy shows, you know, and they're just, they're doing so much for so many athletes and creators and allowing people to reach their dreams. Like they're in MotoGP, America Moto, Supercross, boxing, golf, touring cars. I think they have McLaren and Porsche and Ducati on board. Um, they're they're going huge into the sports world to really rebrand what they meant the company to be, mm-hmm. I believe. And just, uh, I mean, even just seeing all these sports accepting and understanding like modern sponsorships is rad to see. And it's, it's a cool thing being on the forefront of things and it has its like ups and downs, like with anything, but it's honestly an amazing company to be a part of. And they really like genuinely stand by their athletes and are involved in our program. So it's really, really cool to work with them. Yeah. I think it's really good for the sport. It's a non-endemic sponsor that we're always talking about. What you got, Scotty? Uh, so you, you've actually just gotten a first on the, on the show. You, Uh-oh. you had a, a, a girl comment how, uh, you, I guess I'll just read it. OMG, David is the hottest. I'm such a fan. Please come to Cincinnati. All caps. <laughs> wow. So that's I don't think I don't think oh, a girl's awesome. ever hit on one of our guests. So there you go, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, hey, I want to touch on coming into the season. You had told me that you were training with Justin Hill, so I'd like to know how that came about. And of course, unfortunately, you had a crash preseason, and well, I think it was punctured lung, broke sternum, uh, ribs, and some knee issues. Which, so yeah, how did you get involved with riding with Justin? And then also injuries like that for a guy like yourself, a full privateer really sets your program back. Yeah. Yeah. So me and Justin have been friends for a while now. And when he came into town and was riding with, for the tatters, we, we would meet up at the track a lot. And then it just kind of turned into where 
we were mainly the only ones riding supercross so we'd always text each other to go ride and we pretty much i did the same program as him and we did our motos together and we just put in the work and it was really good riding with someone with his his speed and just technique and everything even he would kind of critique me on little things that he saw when he would watch me ride when he wasn't doing his motos so it was really good working with justin and just he's a good friend of mine and he's always we're always hanging out and talking on track walk and stuff at the races about the track or whatever you know so yeah he's a super good dude yep and basically yeah i was just i rode supercross all summer whoops is where i've always struggled so i worked on i worked with elsnore motocross track and they helped me to ride their supercross track all month all year in the summer and i've just worked on whoops literally every single day um i run a i run a service shop dmp motorsports is my dad and i have two locations a texas one in california and i like manage and run the california location so i would basically go to the track at 6 a.m 5 a.m water prep a few little things and then ride until about 8 30 and then go to the shop at nine i did that every day in the summer like monday through friday and then once the season started for the tracks opening up me and justin were riding together every morning and just my speed was progressing and just I was really where I wanted to be coming into the season. And then we just kind of had that weird rain race at Anaheim and yeah, we, I went out first lap and just went to double like a little double in the rhythm. And there was a super like soft spot and I just spun and endowed over it. And I stayed on the bike and it just like folded me as the bike went on top of me and broke my sternum ribs, two ribs, um, tore an ACLP or not tore, but strained ACL, PCL, MCL on my knee and then punctured my lungs. So I was in the hospital for like 14 hours after that. And then that's the it. kind of, I was actually supposed to start like my deal with OF at San Diego too. And then that kind of put a wrench in things. And then I made the switch to East coast. And luckily I had Dr. Steve Navarro. He helped me a lot with recovery and some laser stuff that we did to speed up the bone and, healing and whatnot and we uh somehow were ready good enough to ride at houston and the tough part was i only had one bike at the time Mm -hmm. so my bike was on the rig basically and i was flying into the races but i was only riding on race day so when i was coming back from being hurt i was on the couch three weeks and then straight to I believe it was Houston for the opener. And then when I, if I didn't ride fast enough to qualify, which I think I didn't the first like four rounds almost, it was really tough because I was riding 28 minutes that whole entire week and then (laughs) having to go the next week and try to like, okay, what am I going to do different with that 28 minutes I had the week before, (laughs) you know? So it, it made it really tough. Oh, wow, man. David, such a cool story, man. I'm really glad we got you on here finally and got a chance to get to know you. Uh, I'm sorry it took me so long, but fantastic having you on here, and thank you for your time. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate it, and it's cool to cool to get to share the story with you guys. A lot of people really don't know a lot about me, and, um, you know, a lot. it's cool. I'm pretty known just because I've been around the sport for a long time, but I definitely haven't really got to share my story and whatnot. And, um, yeah, it's Also, anybody, you know, a lot of people are not really keen on, I guess, like 
the mental coach kind of stuff. But if anyone is interested, the I work with Dr. Jay Cavanaugh and it's rack racing, rack hyphen racing.com. And he's honestly a huge, huge key in my program. And I believe he's what's helped me to unlock like my full potential. And still we're not, at, I, I'm going to keep racing as long as I am still having fun racing and still making money, you know? So yeah, of course, I, a lot of people, I think Kiefer actually just did an article too on like when to hang up the boots and stuff like that. And um, I was kind of mentioned in, in his uh, article he did on racer X, but um, it was, it was a really good article he did. And it, there is a lot of people are like, Oh, he's been racing for so long and he hasn't made a main event and this and that. And, um, but I mean, last weekend I was actually pretty, pretty close. I was riding really well. And like in our heat race, I kind of, didn't didn't get a great start because i chose a weird outside gate but um i ended up crashing the sand on the first lap and then caught back up to 14th from last which was pretty solid and then we had some issues in the lcq on the start that unfortunately we weren't able to race but um we i'm i'm actually leasing a bike through rock river they're Mm -hmm. a race bike for the last five rounds so it's been super helpful and me being able to fly home and ride during the week. And then I fly in with my suspension and race. And I think that's definitely a a lot to do with what's been helping as well. Just having the seat time on the bike and having a good bike to show up to ride at the races. Yeah. Very cool, man. Glad that you got that opportunity and I'm going to have to call Chris Kiefer because I feel like I put the same article out a very similar editorial that I interviewed you for last Mm. week also. So I'm going to have to see, very if interesting. Trying to copy my work, or if I copied his, we'll have to find out who's went out first. <laughs> uh, yeah, but David, thank you, man. Really appreciate you. Yeah, thank you so much. All right, talk to you soon. See All you. right, talk Bye. to you soon. That's David Pulley, brought to you tonight by Guts Racing. Yeah, that's cool, man. Yeah, like, yeah. So, who is the chick? Is it somebody? Oh, that we whoa, know? whoa. No, no, yeah. that we know? Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm I didn't know. even know we had any female listeners. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, apparently we do. Nice, nice. Good for her. Good for David. Yeah, it's, that's cool. We got some female listeners checking it out. I don't think it was because of us. It doesn't matter. As long <laughs> as they're listening, don't really care. Um, Hunter Lawrence, Supercross champion. How's it sound? Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Say it again. Hunter Lawrence, Supercross champion. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm glad to see it. Uh, it was. It's been a long time coming, I think, and uh, it's you know I think that's going to kind of one of those gate openers for him like he's like he's now that he's done that like i think you'll really sky's the sky's the limit now he's he's showed that he can be dominant and do that and i'm just gonna go ahead and say it i'm i love the lawrence brothers i i understand the jet hype and everything i did not care for the 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 bringing the like hunters on his last laps of his championship and like they like they bring it up jet yeah, like yeah. would they well if they had flip flop? Were they doing that with Hunter when Jet's about no, to win a title? I agree. Yeah, it's like too much Jet. Well, I, if, I get that. I get that. There's hype, and I get why they yeah. did it. I just like, like let him have his freaking I, moment, I, man. I, I agree. I felt the same way when they were. Well, won't we find that out whenever Jet wins his title? Well, I think yeah. now they have yeah. to do it. Yeah, I think they, they have yeah. to do it now, just like his brother, you know. But yeah. but yeah. but the point is, you're right. They do bring up Jet a lot. Uh, Hunter is Jet's little brother or big brother, and like yeah, okay, too, like good for you. He's a champion, yeah, you know. Yeah, yes. Like like they don't, they're not going to do that. And like, like like if you know, if if 
if Mookie's he wins a championship, they're gonna be like, oh, it's James' little brother winning a champ. They they yeah, might. I don't not, know. Certainly not as much. You're you're right. They right. they push the Jet Lawrence hype like, and they, I get it a little and, bit. And, and and I I think openly Hunter's okay with it. I know, but just it would, let him have his yeah, moment, I, I dude. Don't like totally it was. Agree. I don't totally disagree with you. I think they need to chill down a little bit. Um, like Hunter and, won in championship, you know. Yeah, yeah. Hey, X Brand has quietly grown into one of the premier goggle choices available. Using some of the most grueling conditions by 2022 GNCC XC2 champion Lyndon Snodgrass, the 2022 GNCC ATV Pro champion Bryson Neal, Factory Huskies Craig Long, many others, and also speaking of Hunter Lawrence, Hunter Lawrence Alpine Star goggles, they are X Brand Lucid goggles. Just want to what? check the gym in Lucid's. <laughs> Visit xbrand.com today or go to your local dealership and ask for X Brand. Tonight, X-Brand brings us, from Feld Motorsports, Sean Brennan. What's up, Sean? Hey, hey. How are you, man? Doing good. Doing good. So the reason I got you on is for our X-Brand forum check-in. This is a weekly or bi-weekly, depending on how we decide to do it, uh, segment where I go through the forum, Vital MX forum, and look for topics and discuss it. And one that caught my eye this week was a discussion. It's actually titled, Nashville Supercross, Feld Fails the Fans. And I thought, what better way to just, I don't know, go through this topic than to get you, Sean Brennan, on the phone. <laughs> well, thank you for that. Boy, yeah. what a headline, right? Yeah, yeah. You got to love our forum uh, posters. Look, people get, you know, they, they're opinionated these days and they, they like to express it. And some are good. Some are not so good. Um, just very quickly, I'm going to read a brief outline of this and then, yeah, I, I reached out to you last night to get your thoughts and we'll see what Feld has to say. But this guy, uh, two, two, six on the forum says, uh, he went to the race. He gives all the times it started. Basically what he's saying is his tickets were in the section 200 of the stadium, which was closed during qualifying. Much of the stadiums are closed during qualifying. The whole stadium doesn't open up till later in the afternoon. And he's saying he wasn't allowed to sit. Uh, basically, he had to stand up by the concession stand where he couldn't see the whole track, which, to, in my experience, is not normal. Normally, you come in for qualifying, and you don't you can sit pretty much anywhere that's open. It doesn't matter. So I want to ask you if that was different this weekend, and you did some research and checked in, to, uh, with, I think, with Mui. Uh, what, what, what says Feld? No, the only thing that was different is our early start time at 7 a.m., uh, which was, boy, early for all of us. Yeah. Uh, but uh, let me go back real quick and just say, hey, I think it's a great idea for a new segment, uh, and I love that you are doing doing this. Uh, and, boy, that is quite the headline, <laughs> uh, but it's just not accurate. And I will say, though, that, you know, for any of our fans, uh, certainly the last thing we want is anybody to have a bad experience. So, you know, if this fan did have a bad experience, you know, I'm certainly sorry for that. But no, this was we ran the same program that we run at every um, every other Supercross. The only difference was the times. Yeah. Uh, so at a typical Supercross race, you know, Fan Fest and qualifying all start at noon. And in between that six-hour, uh, you know, time period, that's actually, you know, what we call early entry. Uh, so six hours of Fan Fest, 
Uh, and then inside the stadium are all the, you know, practice and qualifying sessions. Uh, in, in Nashville, we started out at seven and it ran to one. Uh, and we actually opened the gates early. So we were opening gates at 640. And, you know, we had to funnel everybody. So everybody that had tickets, uh, you know, had to go through security. So that was one thing that we did do is you, you had to go into the stadium first. And then once you're in the stadium, uh, you had access to both the stadium as well as FanFest. So everything, you know, was on the east side of the stadium to make it super easy. So Mm -hmm. that second street was all closed off. Uh, I believe it was gate one on that side of the stadium, which was right about the 50-yard line of the stadium. And you could go back and forth in between FanFest. And that's really what early entry is all about. And mostly that is a very transient transient crowd. You know, they come in, they watch their favorite racer, or then they go back out. So to your point, yes, the stadium is never fully open during those periods. Uh, every stadium is different on what their policy is. And that's usually based on, uh, attendance numbers from previous years. Uh, most of our California stadiums, uh, in particular, are only half, you know, half of the stadium. And, you know, it's always the lower bowl. You know, you got to remember that this is only the second race that we've held at Nissan Stadium. Uh, so it is a fantastic venue. Uh, they're still learning, uh, probably a little bit about, you know, our fans and, you know, our, you know, flow of things. Uh, but yeah, everything was the same. We had half the stadium open. Everything was on the East side of the stadium and in the lower bowl. So, you know, for, you know, the fan that posted this, yes, his ticket, if it was in the 200 level, that of course would not have been open, uh, until the, and I hate saying it because it was the daytime, but the evening program <laughs> yeah, right, right. also used to, uh, but you know, my goodness, we had over 56,000 fans, uh, in Nashville and over 20,000 that attended FanFest. So, you know, when you have crowds like that, uh, and funneling in between, you know, fan fest and inside, I, you know, there's certainly going to be points in time when everybody's trying to enter the same space, uh, that it's going to be busy and people are going to be, you know, uh, congested perhaps to, you know, on the concourse, like the picture in the post. Uh, but the information is just not accurate, uh, because, uh, everything was open just like a normal Supercross. Yeah. I do want to say for this gentleman, it, maybe it was, it felt accurate. Maybe he showed his ticket to us, a, a, a security at Nissan Stadium, and they said, nope, you can't sit down. We don't know. But yep. also, you, 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 when I brought this up to you last night, you said, hey, let me check because, yeah, if something was, went that, if it went that way, I want to find out and we would like to apologize or whatever. We, we, we aren't sure because the stadium, sets their own rules to some degree and we don't know what the security told them, but it certainly wasn't meant to happen that way. Yep. Now, and you have to realize that, you know, a lot of the, you know, help with ushers and things like that, you know, these folks are, you know, part-time help as well. So they may not, you know, know every specific detail about our programming and may, 
have inaccurate information, you know, that they're dealing with. Uh, I you know, and, that. I dealt and with that. that. That's I've unfortunate if he was given inaccurate information. Uh, and I, I don't know if that's the case or not. Right. But I do know that. I mean, I was there. You were there. Uh, there were plenty of people sitting in the seats in the lower bowl watching qualifying. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, to say that you weren't allowed, <laughs> you couldn't see the track. It's just not accurate. That's uh, kind of what I thought, but I want to get on, uh, touch on that a little bit. And like I, I had a security issue when I got there, there was a misunderstanding with security. It got fixed very easily. Um, yep. yeah. And, and it was handled. It happens, you know, every venue, there's issues. Somebody has an issue. It could be a backpack. It could be anything. There's always something. It's not, it's a lot of people involved and a lot of logistics. So yeah, I, I think you guys do a very good job of trying to make it as easy and pleasant for everybody. I mean, not just the spectators, but the media, the writers, your employees, et cetera. So, um, yeah, I think, I think well, you thank you for job. that. And, and yeah, you know, your, your, <laughs> your issue, uh, you know, you handled it professionally and respectfully and it was resolved in the same way and rather quickly. Yep. Uh, and, and, you know, and that, that's the thing. Uh, if, uh, you know, this individual got bad information, then, you know, a- ask somebody else, you know. Uh, but, you know, we are not aware through uh, normal channels that people, you know, if there is a legitimate complaint, you know, we do have mechanisms in place for that. Uh, and we take any kind of complaints serious. You know, we're in the experience business. Uh, so we want to make sure that everybody has a great uh, experience when they come to Supercross or or any okay. of our shows. Uh, so I am I am bummed out that they had a bad experience. Uh, but please, I hope that nobody thinks that. Uh, I mean, my goodness, every <laughs> you know team and athlete uh, fan that I ran into, they just love Nashville. Oh, it's the best. Uh, you know, you can talk about your experience, but that is a great stadium. Uh, and they are actually approved for a brand new, I think, $2.7 billion stadium that they're going to be building there. Wow. So we look to go into, you know, we look to go, uh, to Nashville for several yep. years to come. And, uh, you know, again, I, I certainly take his, uh, his, uh, you know, his issue, um, seriously mm-hmm. and, uh, I hate it that he had a bad experience. Uh, but the information just was not accurate and from all other signs man nashville was a hit uh we had great racing unfortunately uh two of our stars went down which is always unfortunate uh but from a fan experience boy we had a great crowd and i know that the nightlife afterwards uh, a lot of people enjoyed being Mm -hmm. in music city usa well i told you when we talked yesterday, I think it was, I said, uh, I'm okay if all 17 rounds are in Nashville. That includes Dallas. I'll drive. I'm good. <laughs> yes, you did, didn't you? <laughs> I fell and in love I, with I've that heard, city. I've heard some people say that uh, this would rival Vegas. Oh, I, I think it's, we just talked about that. I think yeah. it's better than, I don't care about Vegas much because I don't gamble. So it, like, that doesn't interest me. Music interests me. And that was, yes. yeah, I'm, I'm all in. Uh, yes. Did you have something, Scotty? Yeah. Before we let him go, this, this is a change of subject. But we oh. had a, a listener that wanted to ask a question. Where, you know, this is the first time we've done a the Super Motocross Championship kind of 
scenario since 1983, and they wanted to know, are we going to pass down David Bailey's blue and gold number one plate? Oh, that'd be cool. <laughs> that'd be cool to bring that back. Uh, no, not not at this time. We do not plan on doing oh, that. Well, hey, Million-dollar idea there, That's, Sean. Let's, like uh, let's make it happen. I like it. <laughs> I like it. Uh, Sean, I know it's late on the great, East Coast. Great idea. Oh, yeah. and that, that has come up before, but no, we have no plans of, uh, you know, the grand championship. That was a different thing. <laughs> this is a brand new super motocross world championship. It's not uh, the grand national right. championship that he's referring to back mm-hmm. in the early 80s. That was a completely different thing. Uh, and this is a completely different thing as the fans are going to see uh, this fall. So Super Motocross is uh, completely unique, and it is a brand-new idea. And the fans will see that, you know, when we get to those rounds and they see the tracks. But also the fan experience at those rounds are going to be completely unique as well. Looking forward to them. Sean, I know it's late on the East Coast. I appreciate you helping clarify this this issue and uh yeah again i think i told you earlier i appreciate everything that you do for the media and the sport and the pizza i don't want to give credit to a mr mathis but <laughs> i have been no uh, lucky that was enough. that was for you this week yeah i've been lucky 100 percent. <laughs> that was jamie guida don't pizza. Hey, don't say that because then steve will say well then you still owe me too he might you're right he will yeah he will but uh no thank you for everything man and uh appreciate you a lot Hey, thank you very much, and uh, I do really like the idea uh, of this segment, so keep it up. I will. Thank you, Sean, and I look forward to seeing you soon, man. All right. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Sean Brennan, Feld Motorsports. uh, Always, yeah, great help. Uh, Are you you losing steam there, Doc? Yes. Yeah. Was there there other people with this same complaint, or is it just this Uh, guy? I honestly haven't read all the comments, but people definitely are kind of piling on. But well, yeah, so internet, I didn't man. go through it to see if there were others that had that. It, I, I don't know, man. I it, it's hard to. I just wanted to check what the rules were at that particular stadium. If the patrons, the the fans, were told something different, yeah. at the very least, I wanted to make sure that it wasn't on Feld. And I mean, I think the best point he made was was you saw people down there, so obviously. Well, here's the thing, though. It maybe the people that were sitting sitting. Let's just say the stadium said, "Nope, you can't sit here because your ticket doesn't." match that seat so they were only letting the people that had seats that matched right and then whatever section yeah that's i've so, never seen them no do i that. haven't either but we don't know for sure mm, yeah. that security didn't think that because like my issue coming through the the media section was with my media particular media which is zone two no backpacks were allowed i was like well everything i work with is in my backpack but that's what the security was told backpack. so there was bad information and it, we don't know for sure that security and, and Nissan Stadium didn't have bad information, mm-hmm. and that maybe they did tell this guy, "Oh, sorry, well, your maybe section's they didn't not have open." Any information, right? I mean, they could have said, "No, your section doesn't open until two p.m." Sorry about your luck; you can't sit here. We yeah. don't know. Yeah, um, yeah. I've seen some stadium workers say one one section will say one thing, another yeah, guy will say yeah, another. There, yeah. it's it's Absolutely. not it's not a congruent thing. All right, let's blow through these next couple sections so we can get Doc out of here. <laughs> You don't um, have to do that. No, we only got three more things. So uh, we're going to jump into what this would normally, if TJ was here, be the Motul tech tip. Uh, Motul was founded in 1853, and for decades, Motul has developed high-performance synthetic ester-based lubricants. By selecting esters over other high-performance synthetic-based stocks and combining them with an innovative additive package, 
Motul has created a perfect synergy. Uh, this most advanced Estra core technology allows the maximum power output of the engine without compromising reliability and wear. You can find this and the entire Motul Power Sports product lineup at their online website, shopmotul.com. Enter code VITAL20 to receive 20% off your order of $50 or more. Um, okay, this is just a random thing that happened to me this morning. Br- very briefly, thought it'd be a funny topic. I'm driving down the road. There's a motorcycle in front of me. One of those Polaris slingshots is going the other way. For those of you who don't know exactly what I'm talking about, it's one of those three-wheeled vehicles, uh, two wheels in the front, one in the back. Anyway, not going to get my opinion on those things. The driver, not the rider, the driver of the slingshot gave the motorcycle wave to the guy on the motorcycle, and I said, no, party foul. You are not allowed to do that. You are not a motorcycle. I didn't like it. What say you, Scotty? Yeah, I mean, okay, like... Hang on, time out. If ML brought this point up, and I, I still denied it, but if the driver of the slingshot was somebody that loves to ride motorcycles but physically physically cannot ride motorcycles anymore, I still don't like it. Yeah, that's not, that's, 20, slide. that's 2023 PC crap. Yeah, I'm not I'm here like, for that. <laughs> it's not a motorcycle. You don't get the motorcycle. Uh, I mean, that'd be like... That that'd be like me, I, like having a CB in my pickup truck, and be like, "Yeah, I'm a trucker, breaker, or, breaker, one nine. You know, you're, like, you're driving a Toyota FJ, like Doc's dad used to, do, and you're like, you give the Jeep wave. No, you're not in a Jeep. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you ever gave the Jeep wave. Well, I'm but, just saying. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't think you should be able to do the motorcycle wave to if you're in anything but on a motorcycle. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Moto X Pod Show, Moto X Pod Show at gmail.com. Give us your thoughts. I want to thank a lot of people who did reach out with their picks of the week um, and highs and lows. And I was going to read some of them, but we're getting a little long in the show. I will make more time for the next one. But, hey, please keep those coming. That was awesome. I will work on prizes and different things that we can give away for some of you guys for getting involved. Um, I, I really I really enjoyed getting the interaction with our listeners. So that was great. MotoXPodShow at gmail.com. Uh, let's get into our procs, by the way. Michael Lindsay told me it's uh, Prox. I t- interviewed Kevin Bailey with Race Winning Brands, which owns Prox, Pro-X, and asked him how you actually say it. And he said, um, here in the U.S., na- nation- nationally, it's Prox. Overseas, Pro-X. So from now on, I'm going Prox. Have you has said differently? Yeah, he said they say it Pro-X over, or Prox over there. Excuse me. <laughs> I'm getting all screwed up because I'm so used to saying prox. It's prox overseas, but here they oh. say it pro X. So, because I've had people say, no, I've always but, heard it pro X. So, yeah, I, I guess either way is correct, but I'm going pro X. Cool. Rooted in racing for motocross to off road, supporting teams like Pro Circuit Kawasaki, my team, and Pro Yamaha and SLR Honda. Pro X has been dedicated to supplying quality components since 1975, from complex jobs like an engine rebuild to simple maintenance like filters, chains, and sprockets. Pro X aims to bridge the gap between OE quality and affordability. Find ProX at your local dealer or online retailer. Visit prox-usa.com to search parts for your bike and follow ProX Racing Parts on social media. ProX, highs and lows. Doc, highs and lows from Nashville. Uh, are we doing personal or just in general? Whatever is your well, You're highlight. the only one here that yep. rode there, so yeah, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> well, I mean, you could have had a he had a yeah, high what, of going whatever. out after the Nashville after the sure. races. You got whatever. high after the national after the <laughs> <laughs> Just now, whatever, uh, whatever your high is. Uh, my high is definitely uh, that 11th place in the heat race. I just kind of yeah. showing myself more of what I'm capable of. Not fully what I'm capable of, but 
more of what I am. Mm. Um, low is definitely um, uh, my almost death after cracking <laughs> myself. <laughs> Seems like a legitimate yeah. low. Yeah. Yeah, Scotty? yeah, your your balls now hang lower because. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that's what the voice crack was earlier. Uh, shot back up in me. <laughs> Scotty, what's your high? Um, high is that um, that's that section got a win. Who Sexton? Oh, Sexton, yeah, sorry. the guy we had on the show tonight. Yeah, I thought you said yeah. section. I was like, well, I heard it, section it, also. Yeah, I didn't. Oh. It did, okay, section. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Sexton getting yeah. the win okay. and uh, low. It can I can go fifty fifty with the injuries or that the fact that it was a day race. Yeah, not normally, not normally not really day, crazy about those. The, and watching it on TV, I get it because normally yeah. the day race, I'm out. Um, yeah. So for my highs, uh, I wrote the the city. Obviously, that's the only thing I wrote. That's um, <laughs> the city, city, Nashville. The the music, the the women, the good time. Awesome, awesome place. Lows. I put injuries, early start. Uh, the, even the, the hey, hey, that's, those are mine. Yeah, I know. Um, oh, <laughs> Steve, Steve being a bit of an ass in the press box. He was, oh yeah, uh, yeah. Was that was, was that that bad? He was relentless on me, bro. He was he was about what? A, who I don't. I blocked it all out. It was just a lot of shit. It was yeah. About have I found a chick? I should move to Sweden and find a Swede, Swedish <laughs> metal chick. Yeah, all kinds of stuff. It just you'd, you'd have to be in the press box. Yeah, I guess that's one of the. Um, Court yeah. adjourned. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I did. I wrote Shane Bagley is one of the guys that reached out with his highs and lows. And I, I have a screenshot of his highs and lows. I'm not going to read them right now, but hey, Shane, thank you for uh, yeah getting in here. 60 picks for Denver since its inception almost 12 years ago. 60 helmets have been dedicated to the relentless pursuit of brain protection. From the original ATR1 to its successor, the ATR2, the goal is to develop a revolutionary design concept utilizing creative forward-thinking technology that would change the market, improve the safety capabilities of the sports helmet. The helmet is the most important piece of your protective equipment you will purchase, so visit 60 Helmets at 60helmets.com or go to your local dealership and ask for the 60 and try them on. Um, 60 picks for Denver. Did I? What, what was the it? only one? Did I get Chase right last time? Is that the only thing I got? Yeah, I don't think any of us got anything other than one right. I have to go back and look. Okay. Tell me your picks uh, while I go back and look here, and I'll tell you. Um, this this week, I'm going to – wait, what did Lewis say? Sexton, Barsha, Tomac was your picks. So, yeah. Yeah, you got two – at least two on the list. Yeah, Barsha – yeah. that. Uh, that Lewis said Chase, Eli, Roxon. I'm going to go uh, Chase, Eli. It's kind of hard not to just uh, – And I'm going to go yeah, – I'm going to go Justin Hill. That's a good one. I That's actually considered that. Actually, I considered it. Doc, uh, I'm gonna go. Uh, just kind of go out on a limb here, and okay. I, want, I want Roxanne to win this weekend. Okay, uh, I like it. I so like we're it. gonna go Roxanne, uh Chase, Tomac. All right. Again, guys, MotoXPodShow at gmail.com. Give us your thoughts on our picks. Give us your picks of your own. Um, anything else you want to comment? Like uh, whether you like the show, hate the show, what we should change, what we should do better. More Lewis, less Lewis, ML, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, do you got anything else before we wrap this thing up? Oh, I was just going to say, dude, like, it was it was kind of a bummer to, to see the Barsha thing. Like, yeah, of course. I mean, like, dude, I, okay, has right. have we, this last month that he's had on this little role he's had, it, when's the last time that we've seen him ride like that? And to see it in like that was kind of, that was, I yeah, guess that, right. that can be my, I'm going to change that to my low. Uh, are you okay. going, are you saying Barsha's the bummer, not the person that's in the, Points battle. <laughs> wait, wait, what do you mean? Web. Web. Oh, like not even being able. To yeah, race that was that like was that. that was true. That that's true too. It just like ruined. Like there's nothing else happening in the 450 championship. Like unless yeah, unless Tomac gets hurt this week, 
at the race or next week, it's over. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's I think for the most part it's over. But I do agree, like Barsha is riding maybe at a higher level overall for the season than he has in a while. He, he mm-hmm. looks really great. Uh, I, I thought it, he could get another win. And, of course, I locked I, – I think last week I locked that Jason Anderson was going to win in Salt Lake City. Oh, yeah, that's not going to happen. Um, I think I'm going to unlock that now. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, yeah, good good, uh, good topics. I want to thank Duffy, Chase Sexton, David Pooley, Sean Brennan for coming on. I want to thank all our sponsors, the, the presenting sponsors, Race Tech and Boyson, as well as ProX, X-Brand, Guts, FXR, 60, Luxon, Motul, W. All the listeners, thank you. Uh, I think that's a wrap. We'll be back next week, and we're out of here.